Hello out there, this is Ryan, and I am hosting Nebcast for the second consecutive week, but this time I am not alone, I am not playing with myself, the beautiful, vivacious Bradley Haig is here to share his wonderful experience in the city that never sleeps. Vivacious, that's a pretty uh, elaborate word there. I know, well, I, wanna, I wanted you to come out and be like, oh my gosh, what can we, how can I describe Brad in one word that... Is kind of gay, but not totally. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not just kind of gay. It's <laughs> it's totally gay. Putting me out there, out of the closet. Um, yeah, but anyways, um, the reason I am conducting the interview to Brad is Brad experienced the uh, wonderful city of New York, and he has been kind enough to sit down in the theater of his apartment complex and share with us his experience in the city of New York. Yeah, my apartment's a bit of a mess this week, and uh, there's not a lot of room for the two of us to sit and do a nebcast, so we relocated to my clubhouse uh, theater room, and uh, we're taking it over, and yes, I will tell uh, my story of my travels to the Big Apple in my four days there. Um, was the apple delicious? Was the apple delicious? Was it delicious? Actually, uh, the fruit in New York, as soon as I got to uh, off the plane in JFK, they have a little uh, eating area obviously, and um, a promenade. Mm -hmm. And the fruit there is ginormous. Really? <laughs> is it like the forbidden fruit? Um, did you see a naked chicken there? I did not. Everyone was clothed huh. and probably uh, good because um, it is a place of eating. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all, like all the fruit I, I get at King Supers, for years I always thought, you know, it seems smaller than it used to be, but I mm -hmm. just assumed that because, you know, I grew up. But... Um, <laughs> Now you have man hands. <laughs> yeah. So size comparison is obviously going to change. But in New York, uh, yeah, an apple is was about as big as my hand. A banana was probably as big as these microphones. Uh, or my cock. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just decided to put out that out there for some unknown reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I just totally killed. Just to be vulgar. Yeah, totally. Um, it's fine. We love that. Um, yes. So... Um, actually, uh, before I get into my trip, though, uh, I want to uh, I want to bring up la the podcast for last week. Okay. Because um, I got an email from Cliff today. Did you really? About uh, the episode. Um, uh, this wasn't part of it, but during the episode, you uh, said something about um, you were talking about uh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane and how in comics they've split. They've been written to have been splitting up. Yes. And. Uh, being your friend, I've noticed you say a lot of words, and sometimes they're said like you uh, change them slightly. Mm -hmm. You use them the way they're meant to be said, but you pronounce them weird. Mm -hmm. um, one that you haven't said on the podcast, but I remember just in uh, casual conversation, you say pseudonym for some reason mm -hmm. when it's pseudonym. Yeah. And uh, in the podcast, when you were talking about Bono, you uh, said Catores when the Did word, I? the Spanish word word for 14 is catorce catorce yeah uh so that was funny. it's because i get so riled up with bono that my yeah. mind goes blank but you're so confident about it when you say it when you're talking about topics you're confident about what you're talking about but there's this one little part if people are paying attention you just totally butcher a word <laughs> and then uh i don't know what you're trying to say about mary jane and peter parker but you said exolve exolved yeah absolved maybe yeah you're trying to say absolved or uh um Oh, what's the other word? Expelled. Maybe I just combined the two words. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I, 
but yeah. It was well, come prepared next time you're going to rip me. <laughs> I was prepared. I just forgot it. So, um, and also, uh, the cast was 30 minutes. Uh, how'd you feel about that length? Because I know you did um, a podcast with Brandon that was 30 minutes. And in your experience doing uh, a, you know, almost a one and a half hour show, and then mm-hmm. you've done a 30 minute show, like... Do you think the show is better at 30 minutes, and should we continue to do it like that, or do you think an hour is... Um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, keeping it at a certain length is even beneficial. I think we should just keep on talking until we kind of run out of things to go. The only reason mine was 30 minutes long is because I had no one else to talk to. Right. You know, so I had five or six things I just wanted to talk about, you know, just to rip Bono was basically my whole <laughs> point of that. And... Um, yeah, I just ran out of things to say, and I didn't want to be stumbling through to get an extra 30 minutes in. And the thing with Brandon would have gone way longer, but my brother interrupted us, and then I deleted it somehow, and you will never hear me and Brandon in France. Well, hopefully, um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the, the technical situation with being able to use Skype to record, you know, um, a podcast with someone through the computer. Uh-huh. That way, Brandon could plug in a microphone to his laptop, and we could still do a cast with him. Sweet. Same thing with Cliff. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, going on to Cliff's email, Cliff wanted to know um, more about Laura. More about Laura? Yeah, he uh, wanted to know how serious you guys are, and uh, you know what's what she like, and stuff like that. Or do you not feel comfortable? <laughs> no, that's right fine. Um, no, we are. Oh man, uh, we are really serious, I guess. Um, I've been dating her for almost two months now, officially. But I started dating her before then. I really started dating, kind of dating her around your sister's chemo party, which was at the end of October. Um, we we weren't uh, official then, but we started kind of hanging out a lot, and. Yeah, I just went from there. Laura's really cool. I've said this many times that my previous relationship, um, I try really hard not to bash her on our podcast, but uh, the one that you have not heard that it will be lost will be like a Lon Chaney film from <laughs> the old days where they're lost and no one knows where they went. Um, that will be me and Brandon's, but I did knock her a little bit and no, how. No, well, Laura goes to CSU. Laura is majoring in science, um, and she wants to be a nurse, a registered nurse, and a midwife. So she'll be transferring to nursing school when she gets her degree. And she's really smart and funny. She's an incredible bowler. I bowled with her last week, and she bowled a 224 and made me look like a dumbass, um, which I don't appreciate. But I still beat her in one of the games, so I guess that counts for something. Uh, what else can I say about her? No, she's just a really awesome chick, and she used to... The thing that I like most about her that I didn't realize that I appreciated in a woman before is she's really... <laughs> the song's really funny. <laughs> um, uh, she appreciates things. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be I picked her up from her house and she'll say thank you for picking me up or thank you for this thank you for that and you know I don't remember Danny ever saying thank you I mean my (laughs) ex-girlfriend 
but you know, it, and you never realize how important that is until someone actually says it to you. She, appreci- she appreciates the little things. Exactly, and is really is lost in the previous. Totally lost in the previous relationship, and so yeah, that's basically Laura. And you did way more elaborate things for your ex than yeah you've done for Laura yet. Yet <laughs> we should definitely emphasize yet. I. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like you're gonna just take advantage of not. No, you know, and it it really makes you appreciate someone like Laura more, because I was kind of aloof for a while. Like I really didn't care about chicks, you know. And but then Laura came along, and she was really funny. And I always really liked that about her. She's really funny. She always has something funny to say, and that's the one of the things. I don't know she's really cool. I, I can't really. That's all I can really say about her. She's really cool and really hot. Is about all I got. So there you go, Cliff. That, uh, yeah, there you go, Cliff. And um, and if she dumps me because of this, Cliff, I blame you. <laughs> so that's on your shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Can thanks for right? writing in. We appreciate the comments Absolutely. and questions since you're the only one who seems to... Write us comments. And you know, I always put it out there. Send me comments. I really want to answer to them. Um, Everybody know? who's listening to this, if you've got... you know, Even if you want to say you know, you bad things about us. You guys ass. Yeah. Like Cliff did. He sent things, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Because sometimes when I go on long talks I don't say things right and it really and it's when it, yeah I combine words a lot you yeah. know like awesome dairy I saw are was... people using that awesome dairy I used it thank you yeah. I know it's one of our podcasts I named one of the podcasts awesome that is dairy. awesome and then dairy. I made a my, my own word threesome dairy to describe our three-way podcast yeah three-way do you know what I called your podcast or something? No, I haven't, I haven't looked it up yet. It's frosticulitis. Frosticulitis. And by the way, if you want to know what frosticulitis is, it's a disease of being awesome all the time. Something I did not invent. Something my friends on my softball team invented. It's biological. You you get it genetically. Exactly. Yeah. It's like my electricity. It just permeates off of me. <laughs> so, uh... But, uh, so now that we got all my stuff out of the way, we're going to go shift gears. Jujum. And we're going to talk to Brad. Brad, what did you do? Why did you go to New York City? I went to New York City two reasons. Um, also, uh, hold on, I have a quick question for you. Okay. You, uh, it, your first solo hosting duties were last week in the last it was. cast. How did you? Uh, did you enjoy that? Like, actually, I did. I did. podcast. You said it was your, you know, one of your dreams to. Yeah, you know, go I solo. do. You know, I do like um, not necessarily the solo part, but I like being um, like the guy who controls everything kind of like to run the show a to bit. run the show because i and it's no knock against brad by any mean but my personality is way more outgoing yeah so i uh so i always have fun with that being a, the guy that says hey hey i'm the one asking the questions now you know just being a total goofball and uh where brad is a little more straight laced and he just asks the questions that come to his mind and again it's just two different styles well yeah when i when i'm doing it my uh, I'm of two minds. One of part of me is trying to be in the conversation with you. Another part of me is being the mind of the listener, trying to think like, what would they be wanting to like? If because they don't know us, so what do we have to say, and how do we need to say things so that they understand what we're talking about? So I'm constantly balancing both yeah. those mindsets. Yeah, so, you, you know, you can, with you, you, it's just kind of you're in the moment. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm more organic, and it just comes from me being an actor and in front of people where you're more of a behind the scenes kind of guy and that's what you think about me I don't care what I say obviously yeah. like on my last podcast I seriously just told people how great I was and like how I, great are the things that you yeah love how are. great are the things I love like Spider-Man and Rod Stewart and you know it's that's just what I do and it's it's just a different mentality of going about it where 
I'm sure people would grow tired of me. I'm, I'll probably be uh, the guy that like, really, we have to listen to this dipshit again, you know? <laughs> and I'll get, like, the hate mail. And, uh, yeah. Please, send the hate mail if you send got it. Send the hate mail, Like mail do. if you got it. Um, I would love to get hate mail. I would love to get an 8x10 and sign it and send it to somebody. <laughs> you hear that? Oh, free autographs. Free autographs. They're, they'll be sent out. <laughs> <laughs> Could I be more full of myself? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> listening to the last... Like, it's not a bad thing. I was just... just it was hilarious just listening to how well, you know, that's like the great thing I, you are talking about yourself. I ran into a problem. Is I didn't know what to talk about. You know, I was going to go online and do research. And I'm going to look at current events. I'm going to start talking about them. Man, that's boring. I'm just going to talk about things I like. Bring a little social commentary. Social commentary. That um, everybody needs to make a difference in this bad economy. Make sure you turn off your lights. Uh. <laughs> switch, switch to green energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, okay, sorry. Anyways, I'll here, get here, away from I'll, all that. I'll go back. Brad, you recently went to New York City. What made you want to go to New York City? I did, Ryan. Um, two reasons. <laughs> I... <laughs> so, sincere in your, so sincere in your question, question answering. Uh, first reason... Um, I've never traveled alone before, uh-huh. um, and I kind of wanted to test myself and uh, you know try and uh, be more adult. And you know, it was kind of a trip to boost my confidence level to see how I could function like solely by myself. And it didn't work out too well because my parents still tried to figure out where I was at all moments of all. Wow, you got all really day. heavy on us. <laughs> but the other reason why I went is because the New York Comic Con there was we going go. on at the same time. And so I figured, what a great opportunity to test, to try out both situations. I can go, and Peter Laird, the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles comic, is going to be at the New York Comic Con. And I can go explore this, the most complicated and complex city in the world, um, or one of them in the world, um, all at the same time, you know. Um, the Comic Con was three days, but I've already done plenty of Star Trek conventions and gaming conventions and the San Diego Comic Con. It wasn't really my interest to do another three-day stretch, so I figured I'll finish a goal of mine and get my original Ninja Turtle comic signed by Peter Laird because Kevin Eastman did it in San Diego, and then I'll have a, you know complete signatures on four book set. And then you know the other three days that I'm out there, I'll go and see the city. And really no plan of action. I didn't have like an itinerary of Friday, I'm going to go visit the Empire State Building and then I'm going to go to Soho and all that. It was just like, I'll get out there, I'll figure out the subway system, I'll figure out transportation on my own, walk, whatever, see. Just whatever comes along, I'll, I'll handle. So that's why I went. So going back to uh, you discovering yourself, did you sc- discover anything about you that you were shocked to find out being traveling by yourself? Like, I didn't think I was uh, very street-savvy before. Mm-hmm. Like, I figured because of my sheltered upbringing that I would be um, in how kind of uh, not very social. I'm very kind of private. So if I had to rely on anyone out there, I'd be very reluctant to do so. So, but I found out that I, um, and because of the shel- like shelter, I wouldn't be able to operate at the same level that other people do. Because um, it's a very fast-paced and very... Um, erratic way of life in New York. Like it's nothing's in Denver. Things are very seem very pre-planned and very. You can only do things one way. Or in New York, it's like uh, open table, open. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I, no, that's why, that's why I told you when you go out yeah. there, it's like a different environment. You yeah. Know, people move at a brisker pace. They're, they seem a little more, they have something to do. Like, yeah, you everyone's know, busy. Yeah. Denver also, seems more of a like, oh, we'll just go with the flow. New York, it's A to B, A to B, A to B. And every, it's everyone out there, uh, socially, it seems like no one is friends with anybody. Everyone's <laughs> closed off to everyone. Whereas in Denver, you know, you can kind of... It's not always the case, but you can turn to a stranger and you know, like start a random conversation. Where in New York, it's just like if you say something, people just ignore you. Yeah, well, I, I think that has a lot to do with the Midwest, where Colorado kind of is. I mean, it's more west, but New York is an East Coast attitude where they're a little more, I don't know, closed off, and they they a little more rough around the edges. Yeah, which I'm not surprised by. Like, it's a it's a concept I understood. Like I've seen movies and I've mm-hmm. heard comedians and jokes. It's like it's not a big surprise, but just to actually experience it was just like you know, it just made it true. You know, absolutely. And so, what was the thing that you? So the first day you went to the Comic Con, correct? Right. And and I'll tell you in detail. Um, go ahead. What was uh, so prior to leaving? I'd been up late with almost no sleep, building a website, and then Adam's birthday was Wednesday night, the night before I left. So I stayed up in Boulder with him to like 3 in the morning, hanging out with him. And then I had to do a little work I could do before I went to my 9 to 5 job the next day, which was at uh, basically 8 in the morning because I got to be there at 9. So then I worked 8 hours running off of no sleep. And then my flight was at 1 in the morning. So and, and some t- like around 6 to 7, like even if I'm, I've stayed for a while and want to sleep, I can't. There's just something about like my body kind of kicks into normal mode, restarts, and I have energy again. But then, you know, once I got on the plane, I shut down and, um, like, I couldn't really sleep on the plane. Like, I, I would kind of pass out, but I was listening to my iPod, and there's yeah. that sense of, sense of, like, what's, you know, what's going to go on. Like, there's, there's that thing in the back of your mind, like, you got to watch what's going on in the plane. Yeah, you know, so, I was going to ask you that. I, I, I can never sleep on a plane. Yeah. And I was curious if you did. I fell asleep going to France, and I've never ever fallen asleep on a plane so i'm asleep and then my brother throws something at me and i wake up and i didn't he threw like a pretzel like they're not even heavy and i woke up that's right and then you ate it (laughs) and then i ate it but like it's i i've never slept on a plane before and i actually fell asleep and my brother woke me up and on the way back i did not sleep and it's not i'm not i'm not afraid of flying i'm just never comfortable on a plane there was nobody else in my row when I was out there, but I could yeah. not sleep. I had an open row too, and um, I got I got to lay down across the whole row mm-hmm. to rest. But um, like I put on my iPod, and I felt like I like I closed my eyes, and I, every once in a while I glance out to see what the view was like because I want I want to take pictures of you know mm-hmm. uh, you know cities from the sky. But it was mostly cloudy. But there's one point where I like I closed my eyes a couple times, and then like my mind skipped part of the. Uh, iPod cast the podcast I was listening to so I wasn't sure if I did sleep for maybe half an hour or an hour but um, or I just maybe dozed off like like I just thought of other things and just ignored the cast so I, I don't know maybe I did get some sleep I don't know but it didn't feel like it <laughs> anyways back to my original question so Sorry. you went no no I, I was just asking those questions because you know I never could fall asleep on a plane and again I'm not afraid of flying at by any means I've flown everywhere but I for some reason, I think planes are so uncomfortable, and it's that I don't know. And so, I, anyway, so you landed and you went straight from the airport to the Comic Con. That's right. Much? I couldn't check into my uh, hotel until three o'clock, and oh, I arrived in JFK at like seven in the morning. 
So I went and got breakfast at the promenade, and then... Where'd you eat breakfast? Huh? What'd you get for breakfast? Oh, I got, um... Cock? <laughs> oh, yeah, because they sell that there. It's plentiful, and everyone has access to it. Cock. I, I, I thought we needed a joke for some reason. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> just defaulted to cock. What issues do you have? Uh, no, I got, like, a cheese danish, and um, I got a... Uh, what else do I have? I think I got a croissant. Oh, uh, something. I got an, like a, an egg Mc, the JFK airport version of an egg McMuffin. It wasn't a McDonald's one, but it was, um, and I don't like eggs, so I Dude, scraped that Dude, are off. terrible. I'm so glad you brought that up. I cannot <laughs> stand Ace. Everyone thinks I'm freaking nuts, but they're slimy. I think they're the most slimy food you can ever eat. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever had like a poached one or um, a fried egg, but I've frequently had scrambled eggs. And when they're like served to me by, like, I think I could tolerate when they're done creamy, but most of the time if you get them at like Denny's or uh, like a Burger King on like uh, an Egg McMuffin, it's that spongy, like, it makes me feel like I'm eating a Scotch-Brite sponge. <laughs> and that couple, yeah, just that, in that mindset, I cannot stand. Dude, I didn't know like that, that about you. I thought I was the only person who hated eggs. No. Like, I cannot stand them. I, I told that analogy to my ex-girlfriend, turned uh-huh. her off of sponge-based eggs. Nice. It's like, that's nasty, but yeah, I can't eat them, like. Well, I tell you. So you listening at home, if I ruined eggs for you, I'm sorry, but, yeah, but scrambled eggs from but they look like brains. Just like sponges. Yeah. But sometimes you get them uh, scrambled eggs when they're creamy and they have cheese in them and they're kind of runny. So like an omelet? I get omelets with like the spongy. Just it's like a sponge, but it's cut up, you know. Yeah. But I, like in rare occasions, I've had the, like the creamy version. That's all right. That's soluble. And then if you add ketchup to it, it's not as good. <laughs> So I like how it went from what you do to what you had for din- uh, breakfast. Oh, we've got an hour. I'm going to detail. I know. The whole so, then I talked yeah. about. Then we went to how we talked about how I, we both don't like eggs. That's really funny. I never knew that about you. But yeah, I cannot stand eggs and meatloaf. And now everyone knows about it. Everybody us. knows. Yeah. I cannot. I hate meatloaf too. Oh, you hate meatloaf. I like meatloaf. See, so. I, I cannot get into meatloaf at all. That's where we're going to clash. Oh, dude. We, I like actually um, not just cooked meatloaf but after when it's leftovers i know you don't like any leftovers at all you know i i, <laughs> I like reheated meat like i i can stand like steak and stuff but i do not like pasta reheated um yeah it's just weird like i think it loses something in the thing oh, yeah. and I, I just can't get into well, ever it since you told me that like i've been second guessing like really? when i reheat and yeah pasta <laughs> sucks reheated ruined it yeah <laughs> it's like they're just nasty like if you like with pasta, if you heat it for too long, it just dries out, and it's yeah. just terrible. But see, the good thing about me and Laura is Laura loves leftovers, so she can eat all our leftovers. <laughs> you don't waste a thing. Oh, don't waste a thing. But yeah, meatloaf, like, I'll eat it cold. Really? Like, like if you take, a, like, white bread, uh, ketchup, and then slice it off as, like, a like a slab of meat, and then meat sandwich, sandwich it, oh, and mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, ketchup, and then... Two slices of bread and a slab of meat. The finest cuisine ever. Uh, puke everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah. So, you left the airport and you went straight to the Comic-Con. Got breakfast. No, I didn't go straight to the Comic-Con. Oh, what'd you do first? At 7 in the morning, I didn't I, uh, I didn't have my check-in at my uh, hotel until 3, so I had to kill time. And the Comic-Con didn't open until 5. At or, night? No, it didn't open until 1. So, you can't get your tickets till 1. And I... Can't go to the hotel till three, til three, so I went to uh, the Statue of Liberty. Nice. Did you feel the freedom? Did you hear the f- flags whipping in your ears? <laughs> There's only one flag, and uh, uh-huh. I did not feel the freedom because they closed off part of it to the public, <laughs> which doesn't feel very free to me. But I understand that they don't want ter- terrorists walking in with a bomb and blowing up 
one of our national monuments, so that's fine, but it would have been nice to go up to the torch and check out the view. But instead, you can only go up to about her head, and you, they have a glass case that sections off the torch, and you can look up and see where you could have gone in the past. So, but um, for the most part, it's kind of, like the island's pretty big, and there's not a lot of people on the morning ferry, so... Like I'd walk around, and it just felt kind of dead, like kind of dead, like kind of lifeless. There were, you know, birds around, and huh, like a eerie calm. Yeah, just an eerie. It's yeah, early in the morning. It was cold because of the ocean air, like bitter cold. I tried to take pictures, and I could only have my gloves off for <laughs> five or ten seconds to try to snap a picture. But yeah, I, the Atlantic Ocean is way different than the Pacific. Yeah, it has a different. It's cold. And it didn't really like smell like a. You know, there's that saltiness in uh, the ocean air, and that didn't really have that there. That's probably because it's so polluted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dead bodies floating around. Dead bodies, mafia making sure, you know. Is there still a mafia? I don't even know. I, I didn't meet anyone else out there, so... You have a the That's yeah. my Marlon Brando. I just did a great impersonation. <laughs> it's I perfect. Know. Spot on. Thank you. You should, uh, if they need a Jor-El for a new Superman movie, you should do it. <laughs> I'll do it for sure. Um, so you went to the Statue of Liberty? I went to the Statue of Liberty. Um, I was surprised, actually, also, too, with security. Um, no one really looked through my bag. Like, when we went to San Diego, I had to empty out the bag. Like, I brought my, uh, basically, like, a laptop bag with all my stuff in it. Um, but, you know, I had all this equipment in there, and no one searched. Like, they didn't, like, oh, pull that out, open that up. It was just like, yeah, you're good. Go through. Like, they scanned it, but they were, like, they were able to use the X-ray to... Say, huh. okay, I guess there's nothing in, hidden in that camera. So, um, but you couldn't take it up to the actual statue. Like, you could take it to the island, but you couldn't take it up into the statue. So, you had to Check pay it. like a dollar uh, to put it in a, in a locker. Like, you could take the camera with you, but you couldn't take a, a bag. Huh. So, I had to check that. And then, after Liberty, uh, the ferry circled over to Ellis Island. And um, uh, that was pretty. Like, it's not, not a lot of it's open. There's one building that they turned into a museum, and there's other buildings that are closed off uh, that are just kind of run down looking. And then out on the courtyard, they have the wall of names of all the different families. and, and My great grandfather's name's out there. Which one? Because uh, uh, I looked up Frost. Cool. What are you doing? I'm taking off my shirt, my Qdoba shirt that I spilt. Well, don't get too uh, far away from the mic. Oh, salsa all over, and it's really <laughs> bugging me. Um, hey, by the way, this Nepcast is brought to you by Qdoba. What are you going to love at Qdoba today? <laughs> Uh, what's your grandfather's name? Because I looked um, up Frost on the wall and I wasn't sure. It was sure. Cole. Cole? Uh, there were several of them. Yeah. I'm sure. Several Frosts on the But there's only one as awesome as me. Cole Frost. Yes. Um, my mom wanted me to look up Zelensky and it's spelled differently in that time. And the really? thing about Ellis Island is, and the Wall of Names is, because they had to process so many people so fast as often, the processors would listen to a name and just in order to you know get people through they would just they would misspell it huh. as best they could like they try to spell as best they could but often they would misspell the names so if you you know have ancestors that came through there try to think of the other way your name your last name could be spelled and um you know they might still be on the wall but not as you recognize them huh. so there are several different Zelinskis, and it's spelled like a z-a or z-e and stuff and um, I never, I don't think I really ever found what my mom was looking for, but you know, you, you can just kind of assume that your family came through there, you know. Yeah, as long as they Why came not? from the Europe side. Yeah, they came from Europe. Yeah. 
That's if they came from their the south, then they came on a U-Haul, which was <laughs> returned one way to Arizona. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did that till like one o'clock, and then finally it's like, okay, time to make it uptown to go to the convention. So I uh, jumped on the subway, and the subway is interesting. It was actually one of the funnest things I did out there was ride the subway. Like I thought it'd be kind of this harrowing experience, but it was actually kind of serene. Did Jason Voorhees? <laughs> get on the subway with you? Uh, he did not. There was no Jason Voorhees. There were there were weird, weird people. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I never uh, ran into anyone with a hockey mask hmm. or a machete. If you want to see Jason on a subway, it's part eight. Jason takes Manhattan, <laughs> or more like takes a a cruise boat before he gets to Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so actually, uh, go ahead. When I got to Times Square, I did do the. Uh, the sh- I pretended. I did. I took my video camera. I pretended I was shooting. Uh, as though, like, in Jason Take Manhattan, there's that, like, 360 shot of him looking around Times Square as if he's like, wow, where are all these lights, and who do I kill first? <laughs> so I kind of mimicked that uh, camera shot. But instead, there. he decides to kick that boom box and then show those kids his real face. And, and then the kids run away because it's so scary and gross. And he doesn't murder them, which is totally his style. And which is out of character. Whatever. Uh, totally disappointing <laughs> movie. But, uh, yeah, so I went to... I took the subway up to wherever you get off for Jacob Javits Center, and I started walking a few Jake blocks. Jake Javits Center? J- Jacob Javits. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not the uh, American furniture warehouse guy. Um, actually, I never bothered to look up why, because he has like uh, also like another building named after him or something. So, I don't know. If, you know, write in. Let me know <laughs> so we can uh, relate it in the next podcast. But anyway, I got up at that stop, walked a few blocks, and then realized I was going in the complete opposite direction of where I needed to go. Five blocks later, so I turned around, which now becomes ten blocks to Jacob Javits Center, and uh, walked in, got my badge, and a bunch of my friends uh, wanted to uh, get these uh, He-Man figures. Um, by the power of Grayskull. By the power of Grayskull. There's a special, when you go to comic conventions, they, uh, some of the re- retailers uh, provide exclusives, where they're basically like repaints, or just exclusive presses of you know certain figures that they produce and uh, if you pick them up there you can you know bring them back to a comic shop and resell them at higher prices because you know it's not something you can run out to Toys R Us and get uh, so um, there's this one He-Man figure called the Faker and um, you know this vacation was for me but I decided you know hey if I'm in the area I'll get it for these friends of mine and you know Conveniently enough, as soon as I got through the doors, the Mattel booth is right first and foremost as soon as you walk in. So it's not like I, in San Diego, you had to run to like the middle of the dealer's room to get to it. And the other uh, nice thing about the New York York Comic Con compared to San Diego is you remember in San Diego, the deal with Mattel is you had to wait at a certain time to get a ticket and then come back at the designated time of the ticket to pick up the figure which involved another line you had to wait in at that time, and often you might have to wait for the next session or get another ticket. Just completely ridiculous. And uh, just waste your time when you're trying to enjoy other things. But with the New York Comic Con, I just walked into the line and got the figures. It was so easy. Nice. So, um, But they had a, a sign on the path circling the booth um, that said, you... Could have, you could get a maximum of four of the Faker and one of the Beastman and some other figure. 
So you couldn't just say, hey, I want 20 fakers, and then run back to Denver and then sell them for like 60 bucks a piece. You can only get four max. Um, so um, I'm like, great, well, I only need three, so I don't need the other two, so whatever, I'm covered. Um, but for a, a little bit before I get to the counter, this guy behind me uh, like kind of gets my attention. He's like, hey, uh, so what are you here for? I'm like, I'm just here for these He-Man figures. I'm not really a He-Man fan, but my friends at home want the figures, and you know, I'm helping them out, so whatever. And then he says, like, actually, I'm a huge He-Man fan, and like, that's what I'm here for. And I kind of like bit my tongue a bit. Like, I didn't mean to come down on your... He's like, you uh, son of a yeah. bitch! <laughs> I'm here for the Ninja Turtles. I don't give a shit about your He-Man <laughs> figures, sir. Like, that's not true, whatever. You, you know, not going to come down on someone's you know, interests, especially when I like Ninja Turtles, you know? But he was like, yeah, so like, what are you here for? Like, yeah, hey, I'm getting these three figures for my friends. Um, I only want the three faker ones. He's like, oh, uh, well, actually, I'm here for the other two, you know, and obviously I can only get one of each. Um, would you mind, like, pretending to get the other two? That way I can have two, and I'll, I'll give you the money to get them. It's like, yeah, sure, I don't care. As long as you give it the money to pay for them, that's fine. So we devise our little scheme to outwit the <laughs> Mattel booth um, and get this guy more than his quota. Um, so I get up to the counter and tell the lady um, what I want. Three fakers, one beast man and one of the other one. And she's like, great. Puts them in a bag and uh, I hand her my credit card. She's like, oh, um, we only take cash. <laughs> like, of all the signs you didn't post, why didn't you, you posted the minimum figure sign, but you didn't post that, you know, cash only would have been really easy. So I'm like, uh, great. Well, I've only, like, I only had a certain amount of cash on me and I, you know, I was one figure short of being able to just whip out my wallet and go cash instead of credit. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to blow this guy's cover by saying, oh, well, I can't get your figure, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like, for a moment, I hesitated. I was like, oh, what do I do? Like, I guess put back one of mine, but I don't want to do that because that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. But luckily, the guy, you know, was right behind me. He's like, he kind of jumped in on the charade and said, Oh, hey, man, do you need 20 bucks? I'll give you 20 bucks because he had the extra cash. And I was like, oh, wow, that's totally <laughs> very generous of you, sir. Thank you. So he gave me the extra 20 bucks. I spent my whole wad and his. <laughs> yeah, I saw that coming. <laughs> spent my wad. And then um, picked up his figures. And uh, the lady said, yeah, if, uh, before I, when I was trying to decide, like, how do I pay for these figures, she said that there was an ATM machine somewhere in the building, uh, if we could find it. So I was like, great, well, you know, I'll take his 20 and then I'll pay him 20 bucks back for buying my figures. Um, so, in the transaction, he gets his thing, I get mine, and then we're like, great, uh, let's find this ATM machine. We get out uh, back to the entryway and there's this huge line, <laughs> about as long as a Mattel line to this one ATM machine. So we're like, well, I guess we don't have a choice other than to spend like another hour trying to find the other one, if there is even one. So we elect to wait, we elect to wait in line and we're waiting and I'm thinking, great, we're probably gonna get, I'm gonna probably get up there and it'll probably run out of cash and then I'll be like, what do I do for this guy? He's bought my figure, you know. He's like, start sucking. Yes. <laughs> this is a just, bad New York just, experience just already. Just don't get it in my eye. <laughs> I thought it was, a, it was just a joke, but it looks like it's actually gonna happen. So, um, but luckily I get up to the machine, although I did put my card in and it didn't read the first five, ten tries. <laughs> So, but finally I did, and I got him his money, and like as we're waiting, we're, we're chit-chatting, it turns out the guy's name is Brad also, which is kind of weird, and um, 
he talks about like his love for He-Man, and I tell him like how many Ninja Turtle figures I've collected. How old was this guy? Um, you know, I think he actually told me his exact age is. He's actually younger than me, like twenty-five or twenty. And he's a He-Man 20... fan. Wow. Um, well, I guess that's about my age. I, I don't. Like He-Man was around like during Transformers yeah. and Ninja Turtles, so it's not that odd. But um, yeah, I'm. You collect Spider-Man, I collect Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I wasn't about to be like, dude, He-Man, whatever. Well, no, I was just curious how old he was because I don't remember the he last was, time He-Man he was, was younger or old, like whatever. Yeah. Because they even had like a recent, like a like a revamped version of the He-Man show that was short-lived, but uh, you know, younger fans could possibly be into it. I guess. I was curious. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, that was like my first unusual experience. So after that, you know. Objectives done. Got my friends their figures. Helped that dude out. Um, I, w- I was like, sweet. I can. F-. And while I was waiting in the Mattel line, I could see the Ninja Turtles booth. And that's I came. I, I came to get Peter Laird's signature. And I don't care about the rest of the convention. I've done these things before. There's nothing else to see. You know, there's stuff to buy. I'm sure there's stuff that I want to buy. But my goal is to not splurge and be the old Brad where I'd buy a whole bunch of stuff and then like just store it. You know, I was like, get the signatures and then go enjoy the rest of New York. So I get up to the Ninja Turtles booth, and uh, immediately there's this small little line in this great elaborate booth from Playmates where they got the new, they, there's this 25th anniversary thing going on for the Ninja Turtles right now, the anniversary of just the whole franchise and how it's affected pop culture, and so they're doing all these things like special DVD releases, they've re-released the classic figures and stuff, and at the booth they have like uh, an actress playing April and guys in Ninja Turtle costumes who will let you take your picture with them and stuff. And uh, the CEO of Mirage Marketing is there, kind of overseeing everything. And so uh, as soon as I get there, Peter Laird is at this little booth off to the side, already signing stuff. Um, and there's a short little line, and I'm like, great, I can do this right now. You know, I don't have to, he's already prepared to do it. And then, uh, but just to double check, because I see he's signing like these brochures or something for the 25th anniversary, I'm like, well, maybe it's not okay to do you know, personal comics or whatever right away. Um, those of you at home, I don't know if you've ever tried to get autographs from anybody um, from, like in a convention setting, but there's, you know, it's not like you just walk up to people. Sometimes it is, but there's certain, sometimes there's scheduling, like, there's programmed scheduling that you have to... Yeah, and you usually have to buy like a, <laughs> a, a specific art piece for them to sign it. Yeah, you have to pay like twenty yeah. bucks for a pic photo of them to yeah. get them to sign it. You know, and then after you spend that twenty dollars on it, then they'll sign whatever you want. Yeah. It's kind of how they make money. Yeah, it's it's not always free, but actually, Peter Laird's cool for that part of the event. Uh, anyway, I I asked, I double checked with the uh, the staff to see like, is it okay if I have them sign off for the? And plus, I don't want to you know ruin everyone else's chances of signing with them. You yeah. Know? taking up my his time with my you know four books um but the guy was like well actually in a few minutes like you just arrived at the end of this thing because in a few minutes he's going to go over to the artist alley where um all the artists from you know dc marvel and mirage are going to be signing over there for unlimited amount of time so if you just have them do one here you know get the other three done later over there i was like great that's fine you know if that doesn't happen at least i'll have one you know mm-hmm. that's what's important so i get to I finally get up to him, you know, tell him what a fan I am, just nerd out in the cliche way of like, I don't know what to ask you, because, <laughs> like, I know a lot of stuff about the turtles, so it's kind of pointless, and, you know, I just, basically I just want to tell you, you know, thanks for a big chunk of my childhood, you know, 
and I'm sure you hear that a lot, so whatever. Uh, but he signed the one book, and then um, he took off, and I got to chat with April, actress uh, doing the April gig for a bit. Did she wear a yellow jumpsuit? She did, although it was more like a... It wasn't like the newscaster jumpsuit. Yeah. It was kind of like this mock uh, like NASCAR jumpsuit <laughs> that was yellow with black stripes. So, but yeah, she was... Uh, cool with like playing the character like I, I kind of joked where they were about like so what if like Shredder comes by and you know kidnaps you like should I who should I call for help like then are, there was only uh, Michelangelo and Donatello at the love movie. Donatello woo you're like well actually yeah Leonardo and Raphael are somewhere else in the convention like great so all four will be you know on hand to kick Shredder's ass um and then she should have been like <laughs> you <laughs> you're so clever uh, it's always been my fantasy to do April Do April? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Why, dude? Dude, she's smart. She's tough. It's true, yeah. She's she's on TV, whatever. She's a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but as, I, as I'm doing that, all of a sudden this guy kind of taps me on the shoulder and turns to me and is like, hey man, you a fan of the Ninja Turtles and everything? And it's like, of course I am. That's why I'm here. And uh, he's like, yeah, I am too. I'm a huge fan. And I, you know, I've come from Canada and I'm doing this Ninja Turtles documentary about the 25th anniversary. I'm like, great, that's awesome. Like, I'm kind of into film. I'm kind of into film too, or video. He's like, so would, can you say some stuff for my documentary? Like, geek out on camera for me? I'm like, I'm not really good on camera, but I guess. <laughs> uh, how do you want this to go down? And he just kind of pulls me aside and busts out his Canon, uh, I think it was a G, GL5. And uh, just asked me two questions, and so, but it's kind of cool that I'm kind of on this, you know, Ninja Turtles documentary that could be on DVD, you know, straight to DVD somewhere. <laughs> hopefully, in I, Canada. Hopefully, I wasn't too like camera shy that they're like, oh, we can't even use this. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just told them about how influential uh, Ninja Turtles were growing up. And he asked me stuff like, which Ninja Turtle do you most relate relate with? And I basically said, I don't know. All four of them seem to have uh, separate personalities of your basic teenager, just you know, separated. Like I got like really intellectual with it, <laughs> dissecting in the, the psychology of it. It's like oh, okay, that's great. Um, and then you should have been said Michelangelo because I love pizza and I love to say Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be later because after that happened, um, uh, what happened? Uh, I don't know what I did. I think I just kind of browsed a few of the booths. They had the new fighting game that they're making um, based on the movie. Um, but then I went over to Artist Alley, got in line so that Peter Lyric could sign the other three books. And uh, they're, you know, they're cool. They didn't charge you, you know, 20 bucks to sign anything, but they did give you the option of, you know, they laid out special art prints that they did um, of things unrelated to comics, but had the Ninja Turtles or related characters. So the, like you could buy, Eric Talbot, Michael Dooney, Jim Lawson, uh, Steve Levine were also there. You know, other people who draw the comic, other than Peter Laird, and they had their portfolios out, so you could, uh, you know, buy prints of other versions of the turtles that they've drawn that aren't, you know, in a comic, you know, stapled into a comic uh, for twenty bucks. And I, you know, I bought one of those just to say, you know, thanks for, you know, signing my stuff. And then. Um, Halfway through that, some dude dressed as Casey Jones showed up, <laughs> and he had like a really cool mask made up, and then, uh, yeah, I got those four comics signed, mission accomplished, and then nice. I headed out to look at the rest of the convention, and then um, 
I'm just kind of circling a few of the booths, trying to see if there's any kind of interesting figurines that I haven't paid attention to. I haven't really been interested in buying action figures anymore, but I was just like, maybe if there's something really cool, you know, take it home with me. I don't want to buy too much either, because that means there's more I have to take back with me <laughs> yeah. and carry to the hotel to and from. Yeah, so I was like, that was a pain in the ass in San Diego. Yeah, I don't want to do that. So I already had the, the three He-Man figures, so um, yeah, I try to limit my spendage on material things. But anyway, I corner a booth and I see like it's the heavy metal booth, and sure enough, uh, Kevin Eastman's there, and it's I didn't I didn't read anything about him showing up to the convention. So great surprise! I get to you know see him again and hopefully talk with him in a way that's more intellectual than I did last time. Where I was just like, "Hey, I'm a fan, and it's great to see you." My favorite is my picture I have of him flipping you off. Yeah, <laughs> accidental. <because laughs> yeah, you're accidentally. Just, I was like, "Hey, get a picture of me with uh, Kevin Eastman," and you're kind of figuring out how to use the camera. And halfway through, like, <laughs> and Kevin Eastman doesn't know you're part of my gang so yeah. just like hey there's some dude taking a photo of you and he flips yeah. <laughs> I just snap it great I didn't post that online I should have you should have um but I was like the photo I did get with him and me uh you know together I was I don't know like it was just the wrong moment but I totally don't look like I'm enjoying myself at all like great I'm with Kevin Eastman and shit so I was like oh what a great opportunity to retake that picture and Kevin Eastman's cool because uh, when you're in line trying to like meet him, he will spend as much time as you want with him. So it's a short line, but each person gets like 20, 30 minutes with him, and he's doing full sketches for guys. One guy brought, he drew his own drawing of the Ninja Turtles, like half of it, and then he got Kevin Eastman to draw the rest of the picture. Oh, wow, that's so that, cool. Yeah, so I was like sitting there for 20 minutes watching him do that, and I was like, wow, that's... That's like a really special, like it's not just an autograph, it's like it's really spe- like a special thing for that guy. So it's like, well, in addition to this photo, what else could I get? And so, as of waiting, I think, would, do you think he'd be cool with signing like my arm? <laughs> like even though it'd probably be temporary and wash off, like it'd still be like a cool experience, you know? Mm-hmm. But is it too creepy? It's like, <laughs> like almost like, here, let me whip my dick out, have you sign that, you know? <laughs> No way. So, uh, but you know, I'm in New York, once in a lifetime shot. Like, it's my shoulder. Like, he's got tattoos. He'd probably be cool with it. So, I finally get my uh, turn in line and I told him my story. Like, hey, you know, I first met you in San Diego, got this picture that he said, like, asked me if it was okay. And I said yes, but it really wasn't. And I was like, you know, can I get another picture? But, you know, even better than that, would you mind, would you be cool with signing my arm? He's like, totally. And so I, you know, take out my jacket, bust out my shoulder, and he just starts going at it with a Sharpie, and I get, like, the girl behind me to videotape the whole thing. And um, then once it's finally done, I get the new photo, and it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, like, what a special experience. And that's just in the first day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, already I'm rocking this great vacation. So, um, oh, yeah, and then, like, after I got that, I was, like, enjoying it. And people were saying, like, so you're going to get that tattooed? And I was like, I didn't even think of that. Like, I could have, go back to Denver and have a guy tattoo over this mm-hmm. uh, tracing already. But I was like, I still got another three days in New York and I have to shower. It's probably going to come off. Yeah, but you should have taken the shower with your arm hanging out. Yeah, I tried. Like, I didn't wash, like, I didn't wash that part. Like, I just, I kept it aside from the water, but it didn't, because my, I had to put my jacket back on and it rubbed and even with my finger I could smear it, you know. Oh, that's a bum. Yeah, so I was like, 
I at least took a photo of it, and you know, maybe I could blow it up and reprint the tracing at some point. But uh, yeah, it didn't last. And sharpies are supposed to be almost like a laundry marker, and yeah, uh, apparently it doesn't work on your shoulder. Huh. So uh, with that, like I was like, I gotta go find that documentary guy because this is huge. <laughs> so that documentary guy, because we like after he uh, taped me, we kind of got him talking about like you know the industry and stuff, and like why you know how much he loves the turtles even further than what's on tape. And he gave me his business card so I could check the website and see his footage later. And it had a cell phone on it, so I called him. I was like, uh, what's his name? Isaac. I was like, Isaac, uh, it's free. I, I, this is huge. I don't know if you know Kevin Eastman's here. Uh, you need to find me. I am over by the Artist Alley, and I got Kevin Eastman to sign a Ninja Turtle, draw a Ninja Turtle on my arm, and you need to film that right now. <laughs> and I got his voicemail, so I was like, great, it's probably not going to happen. But sure enough, he. Uh, Call me back, and we went over to the Instrals booth, and uh, you know I shot it, and so that's on there. And after that, uh, what did I do? I, I just kind of browsed around the table some more, and then it closed kind of early. It was like around seven or eight o'clock, and I, like I got to a certain section of the convention. Oh no, sorry, I forgot one last thing. I did. Uh, they were having a Mirage Studios panel, so you go, you go to a outside the dealer's room. There's like little theater rooms where you sit and there's tables laid out where the artists sit down and basically hold like a press conference style format which you've seen and um, you know just talk about you know kind of like do a group interview you know um, and that was cool uh, I tried to ask some questions but the guy um, hosting the panel totally skipped over me like there are <laughs> other people around me asking questions and he constantly didn't point to me or acknowledge that I existed, so that sucked, but I was like, whatever, I didn't really have any super Not that any of the questions being asked were complex, like you know, at the Mortal Kombat panel in San Diego, like, just how superficial the questions they usually yeah. ask are. It's not usually like, what was your inspiration, and like, what do you, you know, what do you draw from? It's more like, um, do you know if, uh, you know, Street Fighter will ever cross with Mortal Kombat? <laughs> Like, no, probably not, because they're our rivals and we don't want to give them money when we can be making money, you know? So it was more yeah. like, uh, it, it wasn't as bad at the Ninja Trolls one, but there were still questions like, you know, what's the deal with in Season 8 when, um, you know, Shredder's gone and there's that drag character? And they're like, dude, we didn't even watch that show after, like, <laughs> we barely watched the fruit. Like, that's not our deal. We do the comic book, buddy. Mm -hmm. Like, the show is cool, but it's not our thing. So... And let alone we're not going to remember one of 400 episodes. <laughs> so, you know, ask us. Although one of the guys there, Michael Dooney, he um, not only does he do the comic book, but he also was the designer for the figures. So he, he, he admitted, like, stuff like, yeah, I'm responsible for creating, like, classic rock Leonardo or um, birthday party Leonardo, like Michelangelo, you know, <laughs> like those iteration offshoots that are just totally meant to just sell more just totally, totally money they're not related to the characters in the show and then um, he created Venus de Milo for the live action show that was short lived for like a season <laughs> so he's like yeah that's my fault Venus de Milo the fifth girl turtle <laughs> um, so yeah I did that panel that was cool and then uh, Nightfall hit and I still uh, I'd passed my check in time so I was like I probably need to go check into my hotel pretty soon and like, get acclimated with my surroundings because I'm staying in Chinatown and it's not exactly the ritziest area 
So um, probably should scuttle on over. You know, I'm new to New York. Let's try to figure this out before it, you know, it gets past midnight. So uh, where are we at? <laughs> Am I talking too much about day one? <laughs> too much fine. detail? You're not saying much. Well, you're, you're, you're the host. I know. Uh, you're, you kept on talking. I'm not going to interrupt you. It's bad hosting to interrupt <laughs> you when you're in a story. Be like, you know what? I'm done with your... Um, <laughs> Turtle story. Brad, Brad, scale it back. Like, no scale one cares it. about the Ninja Turtles. No, it's fine, detail. dude. You're excited. It's okay. So, um, I got to one section of the dealer's room, and this security guy was like, you need to leave because we're closing. It's like, <laughs> there's like five minutes. I can still look at stuff. It's like, you know, you need to start getting out of here. It's like, fine, whatever. Screw you. So, <laughs> I didn't say that directly to him, but as I was leaving, you're thinking like, it, that's all that matters. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to have fun here, man. You just ruined my night. Just negated all that fun stuff I just did. What an asshole. I know. He wasn't even, like, really that intimidating. It's almost like he was hired off the street just to, you know, say, hey, you can't go past this point at half nine o'clock. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, I don't have a cab. I don't have a, I bought a bus pass, but I never used it because you have to go to a certain place that I, you know, didn't think I could ever find to redeem the printout and then get on the bus, which only circles around Central Park anyway. So, it's just, so, so I just, you know, walked to the subway, um, so I, I had walked five blocks back, five blocks back to that uh, bus stop, and I think I went a different direction just to see other stuff and got lost for a little bit. And then I got to um, uh, Chinatown, and yeah, that's a rundown place. <laughs> like, not to knock on poverty, but yeah, it just sucks that you know this part of town that's rich in Chinese history is just so neglected and. Well, in New York, it's a lot like that, where I, I told you before you left, good block, bad block. Yeah. And, you know, each section of New York is a different culture, and depending on how old it is and how well it's been kept up is basically what you're going to get there. Yeah. Like, I, I expected there'd be, there's just so much more rundown. Like, I, I, I thought there'd be, like, an upscale version of Chinatown. And fireworks in the streets and people <laughs> running around with those yeah. dragon parades. Celebrating things. Chinese New Year, like, every yeah. day of the year. Yeah, probably not. Uh... But uh, yeah, at night too, it's just it just gives you that air of things are probably not safe. But I, I never really felt threatened except for one night when, when I came home really late. But for the most part, it was it wasn't you know terrible. It was just kind of sad to see um, like their culture in neglect, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I walked around for a bit because <laughs> I didn't. I was trying to just stick to the subway map and you just. A general sense of the streets but you really need a compass and so I was walking around Chinatown for a good hour or two trying to find my hotel and um, finally I did this like the one nice spot in Chinatown luckily but I got I got inside and it's basically like this old storage warehouse or something <laughs> that they converted into a hotel because they have like a nice elevator but coincidentally enough um, it was out of service and you had to use the service the freight elevator instead and um, I get up to my room and no joke it's probably probably I, I, I try to I was gonna say it's about a quarter of this room in size with the bathroom um, but how do I relate it to you at home um, it's like a walk-in closet <laughs> yeah a walk-in closet ATM lobby <laughs> yeah very small um, not surprising for what I paid, very cheap anyway, but uh, yeah, it's just like, there's the bed, and there's uh, a person's 
sized space to walk around the bed to get to uh, the window, and then there's the bathroom. That's about it. That's okay. I mean, when you're in a, on vacation, you really don't, unless you're like, yeah, I didn't care. I was like, um, a, like a honeymoon, you know. Yeah, I was gonna be out in about eight hours of the day anyway. So yeah, you know, all I needed to do is have a place to come back to, and that's it. And that's so, all that matters. Yeah. So, uh, and then I had like a nice view of the, the subway train bridge, which uh-huh. came by every five minutes, which is which is great for trying to get to sleep, you know. <laughs> um, and so yeah, that was day one. All right, cool. So is that an hour? Yes, we are on an hour right now. And I still have three more days of you talking have about my trip. Three more days. Should I waste another three hours, or should I just <laughs> try to condense it into thirty minutes? It's whatever you want to do, sir. Um, God, it, it sucks because there's so many like other little minute details that, like, I didn't think I'd talk that much about day one because a lot of the cooler, intricate stuff happened on the other three days. So. So what'd you do on day two? Day two. You woke up. And... Oh, I woke up. <laughs> Because I spent so much time not sleeping, I only I started my day on day two at like one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, I woke up earlier, but I lounged around because I was just like, I need, I need to just chill out uh, and just watch TV and slept a little bit. But I decided since I was having a half day, um, I wasn't gonna try for the museums because I don't want to uh, neglect anything. I was gonna just kind of head up to, you know, head up to the other part, like the opposite end of the island, which would be uh, Upper East and West Sides, and just bum around Central Park, because there's not really anything specific to do there, it's just, you know, basically nature, you know, experience <laughs> nature. The only nature yeah. in New York. Grab some curbside food and just see things and, you know, take pictures and... Did you get a hot dog? I didn't get a hot dog, because I didn't, I didn't want to come down with food poisoning on my trip. I didn't want to risk it. Oh, dude. I did get a pretzel. You gotta get a New York hot dog. That's a terrible New York impersonation. I try to say New York. I felt like if I went to New York, I should get a slice of pizzeria pizza. Sure. Which I did do um, before I got... When I tried to go to Central Park, I still wasn't very acclimated to which streets or which directions which. And when you're... Like in Denver, you can look to the west and see the mountains. It's a good barometer of where you are. Yeah, I thought I could go too near Central Park and still see trees a few streets down and then say, oh yeah, I need to go that direction. No. The streets are so, the blocks are so wide and so distant, you can't, there's no, everything just looks the same. There's no way you can tell, like, oh, that huge, and Central Park is huge, and five blocks away you can't even see where it is. So that's, I, you know, went around blocks many times and finally, I think an hour later, I finally found Central Park and then... Uh, I got the pretzel, or actually, I got a slice of pizza on my way there, and I thought I was getting it from a you know family, like one of a kind family operated pizza place, but it was actually apparently Ray's Pizza is all over the place, as I found <laughs> out later walking around, basically like Sabaro, you know. But I've never heard of it, so maybe <laughs> it's just an East Coast thing. Yeah, they're not national, but they're New York, so it is New York pizza, but I would have liked something a little more unique but anyway good pizza regardless so um yeah i went to central park uh the squirrels there are very domesticated they're not <laughs> afraid to come up to you and uh see if you have food so i got up close with some you know shots of them and fed them my pretzel to get their attention and actually they don't like pretzel <laughs> <laughs> they're picky they're like i eat the one squirrel I threw a piece out there, he sniffed it, and then he took off. Like, it wasn't important to him. And then he went off, and he grabbed 
I never seen a squirrel grab leaves in his mouth and run up a tree to make a nest. Like a bird. Huh. It was, it was cute and adorable, but weird. And then, um, yeah, so I, I, I started on the southeast corner, um, and it was Saturday, so everyone's out, like, throwing football around, a lot of kids. There's a zoo there, which I didn't go to, but, um, yeah, it's just a really, my parents were texting me saying, like, be careful in Central Park, there's muggers and you're gonna get in trouble, and I was like, there's, like, 300 people standing around, like, I'm not in any kind of danger, <laughs> everyone's having fun, and it's daylight, and then I made my way over to the opposite corner, or the southwest corner, where Time Warner is and the CNN building, and they have a uh, some kind of uh, monument there. And then I turned around, went up toward. There's a huge reservoir, Jackie, Jackie Onassis Reservoir in the center. And then, uh, nice. Finally, you know, five six o'clock starts. Sun starts to set, and so um, uh, people started leaving the park. And so finally, I was getting to where I was alone in Central Park. <laughs> But it wasn't that bad because all the leaves were dead, so there's really no places to hide behind, you know. It's it's pretty open, you know, there's no... Unless you're the predator, and then you bend light, and, you know, then you're set. <laughs> or leave, you know, I check for green trails of blood, neon blood, just to make sure. You have to, I mean, I would. Uh, but my goal was to get to the other end of Central Park, you know, by the end of the night, and, um, you know, as, uh, as I... Uh, went along, there was the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I was like, great, I know where it is for tomorrow when I go. Uh, Guggenheim passed along, and then, you know, I took, I was taking photos along the way, and then I circled around, crossed back from east to west again, just to cut through to see if I missed anything. And then, um, finally I got to, like, a 98th Avenue, and like Central Park wasn't getting any different because <laughs> I like there wasn't any kind of different kiosks or anything or uh, there was like a some kind of skating rink they froze over at one of the small lakes to have some kind of festival and so I didn't stick around long enough to find out what was going on it seemed like it was a concert but it, you know they froze a lake, the water so it must have been some make it maybe hockey thing going on maybe which would have been cool which would have been cool but um, yeah night started to fall and there wasn't anything different about the site. I figured I'm not going to go up to the very end of it uh, up near Harlem. I'll just, you know, nightfall, I think I'll go check out Times Square. So I have to, hopped on a subway, headed over to Times Square, and oh my god, that's like party central. Oh yeah, it's, that place is nuts. Like, I wasn't doing anything fun right away, but as soon as I... It was cool because I got off of uh, the, the Times Square... Um, the other subways is usually just a concrete lane with some stairs and the, the subways come by. But when you get to the Times Square station, you get off and it's almost like this underground mall uh, with all kinds of different newsstands. Uh, there's like uh, a DVD, you know, almost like a video store and stuff. And uh, it's, it's just like this terminal with all these people like crossing back and forth and all these different avenues you can go through. And then finally once all that's through and you finally get up to the street it's just this weird like just this cool experience to be in this concrete shelter and all of a sudden you get up to the street and then Times Square hits and there's all these lights this big light show and advertisements and hordes of people crossing back and forth police officers you know directing traffic and cabs and buses coming through it's just like sensory overload instantly like there really this, is no other place on earth like it I know this, this quietness of the underground not terribly quiet, but just like uh, 
this static, monochromatic underground layer, and all of a sudden, bam, it hits you. Lights and this, the whole arena uh, stage. It's the whole part of town's a show. And so it's kind of like, where do I go? What do I do? And first thing I thought of was like, I'm hungry. Time to get a real meal. So I first went to this restaurant, had a cute bartender, um, got a burger, which was really good. Um, and then I was just like, constantly like, what do I do next? Like, there's just so much to do. So I think I went like north and south and north and south over and over again, taking pictures. Um, didn't really look like a tourist because here I am with my camera like on the ground getting like an angled shot. <laughs> all the other like, people are just like, hey, stand in front of my camera and you know, shoot me, you know, here in a wide shot until they deprive themselves of a nice close-up photo, which would, <laughs> whatever. And anyway, director and me coming out. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking all these like weird, bizarre, like, and also trying to like get stock footage. So if we ever do like a movie where we need to <laughs> pretend we're in New York, I have it. Like, right on. like you're in a shot and then we cut to like, hi, I'm Ryan and I'm in New York. Not really, but you just <laughs> like the backdrop and then it comes back to you in Denver, you know, pretending to be in New York. Uh, so I got a bunch of that, like a good two or three hours. There's like a Times Square Information Center. They have the, uh, a replica of the uh, New Year's Eve ball that you can stand in front of and get your picture taken as if you were on the building itself for some reason. <laughs> uh, Bumming around, I found Midtown Comics, which is a cool, uh, I try to go to a comic book store in every city I go to. Absolutely. Just to see if it's different, and it really it isn't, but the only difference with Midtown Comics is it's probably bigger than, say, Coins Cards, or Mile High, and it's two levels, which is kind of cool. Kind of like a Barnes & Noble or a Borders of comic book stores. Um, they have a lot more merchandise and a lot more... more like those of you at home won't know but if you go to like all seas like if they have one wave of figures mm-hmm. that's it they're gone yeah like they don't get a second uh, batch in whereas this place they have them all stocked readily um went to walgreens and that was confusing because it's like a three-story walgreens and <laughs> uh everything's bigger and better in new york yeah like i'm trying to find one item but it's i I don't know, it's three stories right away until I go back outside and realize there's an escalator. So I'm like, ah, like, it's probably on the third floor. And then uh, Toys R Us, I went to Toys R Us in Times Square. Oh, yeah. That was fun because they have like the Jurassic, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park, the animatronic T-Rex. Um, it's like operating and moving. Really? Sweet. Yeah, it's like roaring and oh, it's so cool. Um, that has like three different stories. Um, then I went down to Rockefeller Plaza, um, and then while I was down there, I realized, is, is where's Nintendo World? Because I was reading online, Nintendo opened a store uh, in, t- in Times Square somewhere, so I texted you, like, yeah. I need the address right away to find out where this is. So, Which I provided him with. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I asked Jesse, too. Dude, fuck Jesse. <laughs> Uh, you both got back to me, which is great. So uh, anyway, I found that, but they were closed, you know, by that time. So I was like, well, at least I know where it is for tomorrow. So yeah, I went to Times Square. Um, Not really, fuck Jesse. I was just kidding. <laughs> I don't think he even listens, so it's good. Good. So I'm gonna bash him some more. So you know, what I don't. I'm just kidding. I have nothing. I'm rambling again. Where are we at? Don't worry about it. Seven, oh, that's only seven minutes. Okay. So uh, what else did I do? 
I, it, yeah, it was, it was a late night. I just, I tried to, there, I wanted to go to a Broadway show, but uh, they closed You didn't the want to t- be that gay? I didn't want to be that gay. There wasn't any, like, there wasn't anything I was really interested in. I, they had Family of the Opera. I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the, play, the Broadway show. It's like, oh, that might be nice to, you know, see, make a comparison, but uh, they closed the ticket booth. They have a centralized ticket booth uh, under, like, the big stack of advertisements. Um, but that closes like seven or eight, so I was already past that deadline. Um, and then they have a bunch of on the corners. There's guys peddling tickets for comedy shows. They're all saying, uh, "Yeah, free tickets to uh, comedy the show." The funniest motherfucker you've ever heard. Yeah, they're like uh, comedians from the Dave Chappelle show, you know. <laughs> and then you know, I've walked around downtown, and they have the same situation where they advertise on the Dave Chappelle show. And I was like. Chances are these comedians are not the ones from the Dave Chappelle show that you like that are like maybe they're they are good comedians but they're not. It's like, not Charlie Murphy. Yeah, it's not Charlie Murphy. Although at Caroline's they did have uh, Paul Mooney. Like, <laughs> Caroline's is really popular though. Yeah, I, I stopped by there, but and I was gonna I was thinking about seeing the Paul Mooney show, but uh, the line was just so huge. I was like, I'm not gonna waste my you know like maybe an hour or two when I could be doing something else, you know, seeing New York. So. And who knows, maybe it takes them at 50 bucks, so whatever. Um, but those other guys, it wasn't for Caroline's, it was for some other dive comedy club. I was like, I think maybe this is some kind of ruse, you know? <laughs> and if I'm going to buy the tickets, I'm going to buy it from that club's ticket booth, not from you on the corner. Absolutely. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I can't see a comedy show, so I just walked around some more. Um, found the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art. It's like, good, good to know for tomorrow. Um, there's a St. Patrick's Cathedral I passed by, and there's a couple on the corner trying to get pictures of it, and uh, they're like, I, honey, I can't get it. Did you get it? I, like, it's not coming to, like, they, they can't fit in the frame, or it's not, it's too dark or something in their shot. I stroll up, bust out my cyber shot, ka-chink, and walk away. <laughs> the guy's like, did you get it? Let me see. And I have this gorgeous picture of St. Patrick's Cathedral. I was like, oh man, what kind of camera you got? How many megapixels? Like uh, seven, I think. It's like, oh, mine's five. And then in my head, I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Megapixels aren't going to change your uh, illumination of the shot. Uh, it's your color process. But I'm not going to get into it with this guy because he's obviously not going to understand. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I have a great camera. What can I say? And uh, walked off and started to think. I guess I could have offered him my email and sent him a copy of my picture. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you. He didn't ask. Not my problem. So, uh, um, I think I did some other stuff, but I can't remember right now. But basically, I got back to Chinatown around one in the morning, and, and my parents are still checking in with me. Just you know, they're like, "Are you taking the subway back? You should take a cab." I'm like, I really feel safe enough with the subway. I don't need to. <laughs> um, and he was followed through the subway by greasers. Was I? Because I don't remember. Greasers is like the 50s. Oh, you're making a joke. Yeah, I'm making a joke. No, well, it's, no it's about, I was about to say that when I got back to Chinatown at 1 in the morning, I felt like I was being followed because <laughs> the streets were dead, um, as predicted, and I walked pretty fast, but there was this guy behind me almost walking as fast as me, and he was, you know, clothed enough to hide a lot of his appearance, and so I... Uh, luckily, by then, I figured out uh, which subway gets me off closest to my hotel. 
So I was hightailing it, and this guy was not deviating from his path. And then I get to the end of the street, and then I look over my right, and there's another guy, very similar to him, rolling up on me. I was like, all right, um, didn't think this was going to happen, but I think probably need to be really prepared right now. But I looked ahead, and luckily uh, my hotel was not that far off, so I get in there. And <laughs> how appropriate. Uh, the Beatles' help just came on yeah, in the background. <laughs> in our background music. Um, I also forgot on my first night, um, I didn't have like lunch, and then once I got back to my hotel, there's nothing like, there's no McDonald's, there's no chain of anything in Chinatown near my hotel at 9 o'clock at night to go to right away. And I didn't want to, uh, you know, go anywhere else after I got home. I was exhausted. But there is like local stuff right across the street. I went in and I totally felt like Whitey's not welcome here. Because <laughs> I got in there and no one speaks English. And I don't think they want to if they could have. Um, I stand there, no one acknowledges that I exist. I start checking out their menu and it's everything's noodle based. Um, they don't have chicken, they have duck. Um, so I order like some duck noodle combination and some uh, dumplings and the guy's just like, sit here. Like I could only be in one part of the store while everyone <laughs> operates and they're all, uh, I just got the looks of just, uh, you know, cracker not welcome. <laughs> uh, it's so uncomfortable and then they're just, you know, pointing to my total because they couldn't tell me in English and I, I over, like I just keep the change because <laughs> I don't want to deal with getting a specific monetary amount back from you and then uh but the second night I came back to Chinatown and uh uh what shoot quick say something so I'm not dead air um well, what's the deal this. with double parking I mean you have one car on one side <laughs> and another car on the other I mean what's the deal oh oh speaking of cars in New York I totally expected everyone to have sedans cause it's not mountainous like it is in Denver but sure enough like everyone's driving SUVs in New York like I knew the tax taxi cabs they have to grade it to hybrid SUVs hybrid SUVs but your average citizen is driving like an $80,000 Lexus or you know even a Hummer I was like why everything's <laughs> flat except for Central Park well you know Manhattan in Native American tongue means many hills yeah it's it's flat I don't care it's flat like you don't need an SUV for New York you're wasting gas, money, uh, depleting the environment. I, it's, it's in, you don't need to drive personally. You have the subway. It's efficient and there's buses and taxis. Seriously. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I came back. I don't remember what I had. Oh yeah, I had that uh, burger. Anyway, back uh, then Sunday, I got up late again. Around 1. Um, and decided I was going to try and cram all my museum experiences into one day. <laughs> um, I got two of them in. I went to the Guggenheim, and I went to uh, the Museum of Modern Art. And it was so cool to see the, the original versions of like Picasso, uh, Cezanne, Seurat, Monet, De Gaulle, um, Mondrian. Uh, they had an exhibit at the Modern uh, Museum of Art of just like up-and-coming artists and they had some really cool pieces there like I really enjoyed it's kind of stupid but it was just a picture of a paperclip 
framed on some kind of, like I think Berber carpet, and then it has like a white frame, and at the bottom it just says and, it's printed word and. So it's just this little paper clip, big frame, and then and at the bottom. And if you think about it, it's like a paper clip, its use is to combine two things, which is what the word and is, mm-hmm. this and that, you know? So it's like it's just a, a clever, it's just a clever piece. Um, so I took a picture of that, and then they had a, the big highlight there they were showing off was there was this Asian guy who for I think a year lived in a, a, like a wooden cage, almost like a prison cell, but it's like he, he didn't have, like he wasn't criminalized, he was just staging this prison experience. He lived in it for a year, I think he had a friend videotape his experience or take pictures of the progress, so he has like photos of himself, like he had to do a time clock. And clock in, I think three times a day, and so like you can see like his hair growing long, or like his uh, like beard growing out, and just like him aging over the process of a year, and it just documents every every instance of his existence in this cage for a year. It's like that's incredible performance art. That's yeah. dedication, you know. And then I went to the Guggenheim, and they had um, I don't know if they intended to, but they had that same exhibit, like a different version of it. It didn't have the mock uh, cage. But it had all the, the photographs of his progress along the wall in the Guggenheim. Um, uh, yeah, the uh, Museum of Modern Art is cool. It's only five floors. It's, it's kind of small, but yeah, it's cool to see Picasso. See, I think Picasso's really overrated. Like, I think his pictures are garbage. It's it's interesting because he has so many different styles. Like he has like the Cubism period, and he has uh, you know watercolor and oil and stuff and sculpture and uh, just so many different things so but yeah like a lot of them you could do yourself especially cubism like I he did this one like it's cool it's called Harlequin but it's not that hard to recreate you know yeah it just makes me wonder like how he got so popular I think it's because he just tried different things as an artist I guess so like he didn't stick to one style whereas Monet still overrated still overrated um like That's I, right. I'm bashing Picasso now. <laughs> With like, I I used to like not enjoy Andy Warhol. I, th- I thought he was overrated, but I've kind of mellowed out just into the mindset of art is whatever it can be. Like, there's no, there's supposed to be no rules. So why judge anything for anything? Like even like the Renaissance art, if there's something that's not like a name thing, like it should still be appreciated at the same level. Like, like oh, there's Van Gogh's there. Like Starry Night is currently on vacation somewhere, so there's like this other Van Gogh painting. Um, like I think that stuff is at the same level of other artists that are not as highlighted in that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, saying stuff is like overrated or uh, underrated, just, it should all just be recognized at the same level, I think. Anywho, uh, yeah, so it was, it was cool. There's a, in the Andy Warhol section, there's this pop art of uh, like a comic strip girl. Like uh, the old '50s newspaper comics, I think. Uh-huh. And the caption says, um, "I don't care. I wouldn't call. I'd rather sink than call Brad for help." That's <laughs> like, uh, that's that's got like two meanings. Poetically haunting. Poetic, yeah. So I took a picture of that, and then there's like this mirror where uh, some guy painted a guy leaning on the mirror in the mirror, mm-hmm. and his back's turned. So when you walk up to the mirror, it's kind of like he's 
you look at the mirror and it's like he's having a conversation with you huh. or doing something in relation to you. So I took a picture of myself in the mirror, which is really hard to get that shot <laughs> of not having the camera in it <laughs> and angle it so that I'm in the in the mirror with the guy. Yeah, but it's it's a cool piece. Yeah, it's just a interesting like instead of just you know painting on a canvas, someone else did something else. Um, yeah, so then I went to the Guggenheim and that was. Unfortunately, restrictive because at the MoMA I could take pictures and video. Guggenheim, once you get past the first floor, there's like this dude came over. He's like, you cannot put that away. You cannot take pictures here. You cannot take video. I was like, why? You have the same things that the Museum of Modern Art did, and they let me do it. But he would bend for me. Um, they had this cool room called the Dream Dream House, and um, on each floor there's like five floors and it spirals up. Um, uh, I don't know if you at home it's, you know what the Guggenheim looks like. It's kind of like an inverted cone. Um, and you spiral up. It's kind of like a ramp. There's no stairs. It just ramps up in a spiral. And at each floor there's all the art is along the spiral uh, on display. But then there's on each level there's an offshoot room with, with its own gallery. And one of the galleries was called the Dream House, and it's the name is written out in a neon sign, and you go into it, and it's like a black light with these. It's very minimalist. There's you have to take off your shoes because it's this carpeted floor, and it's it's the exhibit is not paintings or sketches. It's pumping sound into the room, like this haunting, reverberating tone, and then. On opposite sides of the room, there's um, these floating spirals of paper, and then there's just black lights fixated on them. And I walk in there, and I'm just like, "What is this?" <laughs> there's a warning that says, "Warning: your your state of mind might be altered by entering this room." You walk in, there's nothing. There's two pillars. There's these paper spirals floating around with light on them, and then there's this tone that's just beating against you. But there's this one dude lying on the floor, like he's taking it in, he's, <laughs> like he gets the experience. And I'm just kind of walking around, like standing in different corners, like, is this where I need to be to feel it? Is this where I feel it? <laughs> and unfortunately, I didn't. Nothing changed. Well, you don't appreciate it then. I guess not. You're an asshole. But it was creepy. Like, it, but I, I appreciate. I do appreciate that it's not painting on a wall. You know, someone tried to do something that you uh, feel with other senses, like your ears and your uh, sense of touch. So, and then there was like this weird contraption that was attached to the spiral that I haven't seen in books or anything. I think it was an added exhibit for somebody where there, at the very top there's like this uh, bed of shredded books and then the contraption dips over the, the, the wall into the atrium and it like picks up the shreddings and a little robot carries it along the spiral and then drops it off at the very bottom and then the contraption picks it up and like drops it. I I didn't know what it was supposed to do so I didn't pay attention that long but it's so weird uh -huh. that there's this and then some dude tried to grab one of the books and he got stopped big time <laughs> <laughs> like, like do not touch um, but yeah there's a lot of Cool, like real, like the Museum of Modern Art had abstract art, but it's mostly by famous, uh, known uh, artists. But the Guggenheim has really out there stuff. Huh. They have videos, uh, 
videos playing of art. Uh, I guess it's more of an experience there, not just like walking along looking at stuff. Like parts of the Guggenheim have exhibits where you're part of the show. So anyway, saw that. Um, but you can't if you go to a museum. Museums of those magnitude don't try and fit them all into one day. <laughs> I only got two done, and they also closed like at five forty-five, so I couldn't get all. There's four I wanted to see. I only got two done in that day, um, and it sucks trying to cram it because you don't get to sit around and like really read any of the you know captions on the wall or anything. Like learn about the artist. Like you're kind of just in and out. Like there's that. There's that. There's that. There's that. Saw it. Gone. You know. Got pictures of it. So. Um, so you decided on your fourth day to do what? Um, I went, I, oh, fourth day, uh, Natural History Museum and Metropolitan Museum of Art, uh, were left. So it's like that, and that day I got up early, I went to, oh. Uh, because I didn't, you know, sleep until one o'clock, I uh, was like, "Great, I'm gonna get breakfast in Soho. Go see Soho because it's supposed to be uh, like an art district." Um, but I got there, and apparently Soho doesn't wake up or function until like eleven o'clock in the morning. Because I went there, no one's walking around, nothing's open. Maybe they're it's so arty that they're pretentious. I guess, but it's, it was, when I was walking around, it's more of a fashion district than anything else. There's more clothes shops. I didn't really see galleries, but um, uh, what an appropriate song right now. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Um, so I'm trying to find breakfast. I'm like, there's got to be one cafe in Soho open. Instead, there's like pizza shops and bars. <laughs> Those things know? never close. Yeah, uh, but luckily, like after an hour of bumming around different streets, I finally find this really cool little cafe that was open serving breakfast and. I got like, uh, I ordered the roast turkey sandwich, but for some reason the guy heard, heard roast beef out of me, and so I got roast beef, and I don't know, I ate three pieces of it before I realized like, didn't I order turkey? <laughs> this is the weirdest turkey I've ever tasted. Then he copped to, he's like, uh, is it okay? I'm, I'm sorry, I thought you wanted roast beef. I was like, I don't care, is it cheaper? <laughs> yeah, as long as it's... You know, but it turned out he's like, oh yeah, I think it's cheaper. Got the bill back. It's like a dollar, more expensive for the recipe. <laughs> it's like, eh, I'm not gonna argue about this. It was, it was good. It's kind of cool because it was served on like a cutting board, uh-huh. and uh, it was really artistic. It, uh, like it's not just a sandwich in between two pieces of bread. It was like these wedges with bread, and then a slab of some kind of spread, and then the roast beef on top of that, and then like vegetables sprinkled on it. it was, I have a picture of it online. It's, I thought, I thought it was really like artistically a different way to eat a sandwich. And then, uh, so I had a you know good breakfast, well brunch really. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then I decided to go up and you know finally knock out the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, thing about the Upper East Side is the subway is kind of there's on the West Side there's several uh, different trains run or trains running. Uh, on the east side, there's only one, and it's in the center uh, between Central Park and the and the coast. And so you have to once you get out, you have to walk ways, you know, on either side. I get out. I, I'm already sore 
from walking the first three days. Um, and then I get to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and it's closed. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Stop museums are closed on Mondays. It's the same thing in Paris. Yeah. Almost every museum is closed on Monday. Like, uh, the Guggenheim was open, and um, the Museum of Modern Art was open. And unfortunately, I did those both yesterday. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just sitting on the steps going, how did I, like, I have the ticket booth that has the hours on it. I'm like, how did I not see this? If I'd known that, I would have gone yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I'm sitting there on the steps just thinking, what do I do now? Because <laughs> I, I, there's the Natural History Museum, but I've got like, oh, and also at this time, check out of my hotel was like 11 in the morning. I left like around 7, so I was carrying all my shit around, trying to get to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, so I had all this extra weight on me, just exhausted walking for the four days. I get to the Museum of Art, and it's closed, I'm just like, my plane's not till 9 o'clock, and I only have one other destination that I want to go to. What do I do? What do I do to kill time? So I'm waiting there, like, trying to think, what else can I do? You know, could I go to Coney Island and still make my flight? Could I go to New Rochelle and see what that's like from the Dick Van Dyke show? Because they never really showed it. You know, but the subways don't go that far. I'd have to take a bus. You know, what if something happens? I miss my flight, you know? And so finally I decided to go to the Natural History Museum. And that place on the outside looks small, but on the inside it's huge. And I only have four hours to... A lot like your heart. <laughs> What an addition. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I get in there and like, okay, I can knock this out, just kind of look around. But I get in there and the dioramas are so elaborate and like it's the best natural history. Like, Denver's cool and all, and their uh, displays are neat, but uh, New York went all out. Like, there's so much detail and they have so many exhibits of different things. Like, I, I don't know how to, dis I can't describe it all in a short amount of time. You go there. I guess if you've seen Night at the Museum, like, that doesn't even do it justice. Like, there's so... And in the four hours, I can't sit around and read anything, or study anything. It sucked. Um, but I did, you know, I at least got to see cool stuff, and they have the Hayden Planetarium there. And the first thing I did was go to that, and they have the, uh, the uh, this observatory show inside. Like, they have the, like, the movie playing in the dome. Which I wish Hollywood movies would play in that curved screen because it feels so much more 3D. And like in, in an observatory, you have to look up, but they mm -hmm. can totally pull it down and put it in front of you without having to uh, pull your head back and watch. Um, but uh, yeah, so they had Robert Redford narrating. It was called Cosmic Collisions, and they were talking about the formation of a galaxy and how, uh, you know, the theory that the one meteorite. Uh, killed the dinosaurs, but also another meteorite is the moon, and that hit us and you know splintered off, reformed all the uh, uh, shards of rock that splintered off, and then uh, in in a month formed the moon, and then us, and then because of that collision, it created the life on Earth and stuff. And then they talked about how one day uh, the Andromeda galaxy is going to fuse with the Milky Way galaxy, and it was just. It, Cool, They're gonna make sweet, sweet galaxy love. Sweet, sweet galaxy love. The Milky Way. <laughs> so yeah, that's in. They didn't, you know, skimp on the graphics like the, the Jefferson rendering. County. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like cardboard cutouts on video. It was like they really went all out to animate 
in 3D, uh, in high detail, uh, texture maps, the planets and galaxies. It was really amazing. It was only half an hour. And um, yeah, I also forgot a fun experience um, taking the subway. Two of them. Was, I got down to one of the tracks and there's this lady bawling, crying, um, in a way that like an infant cries, but it didn't have like a high shrieking voice. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm beginning to think, is this lady in trouble? Like, should I do something? But then she just stops, like flat out cuts off, like she was acting. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of weird, all right. So she's just trying to get attention, sympathy for panhandling, whatever. And then this guy stand, like, comes down, stands behind me waiting for the subway. She starts uh, trying to get his attention for money. Asks him, you know, and then he's like, you know, sorry, I don't have anything for you. And she, her attitude just snaps, and she turns, rants, launches into this tirade of sparading this guy, calling him a liar. And I was just like, who's the liar? Even if he does have money, like you're totally scamming him, lady. <laughs> and then um, uh, when I got to New York, I purchased a $20 subway pass. And uh, so it's limited once it runs out. You know, I have to re re-energize it, I guess. But after it ran out on day two or three, I got the unlimited pass, which I didn't know about prior. So I would have got that the first time around, but I didn't. So I have it now. And I was like, I got down to one of the stops, and I over here at the there's a ticket booth for where there's at least a human being, uh, like running the show in case something happens. Uh, but for the most part, there's just kiosks where you can buy your bus pass and get on um, at any moment. But I overhear this conversation where there's like this, you know, maybe like a high school freshman girl, age girl, uh, pleading with the attendant to say, hey, you know, I lost my pass or I, you know, I don't have two bucks, but I really need to get some really fast. Can you open up the emergency exit to get me through to my stop? And uh, the attendant doesn't budge and she's, I'm like, well, I've got my unlimited pass. I'll let you through, you know, no big deal. Uh, but she doesn't understand the system as much as I don't understand the system in New York. Um, if you swipe it, the unlimited pass, you can go through. One person can go through, but it locks you out for the next 19 minutes. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, you know, here, you just use mine. Go ahead. I let her through, and then I swipe mine again, and then try to bypass, like get through the gate, and it locks me in. And she turns around and says, oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's like, ugh. I don't know, I, I, you didn't know, I didn't know, whatever, I, I'll wait for 19 minutes, I don't really have to be anywhere right away. Uh, so she's pleading, uh, it's like, here, I, I, what can I, I got, I'm so sorry, what can I do? I was like, don't worry about it, just go, get to where you need to be. Uh, but yeah, I wait 19 minutes, I'm like, I, I didn't have a watch on me, like I had my cell phone, but I wasn't really timing it, so a long, it felt like a long time went by before I could get through that gate again. and. And some stops, uh, it sucks like if you don't have the unlimited pass, if you bought like uh, a limited uh, amount of money. Some of the stops you have to go through, if you want to go up into the other side, you have to swipe it again. Whereas most other stations, you can, uh, once you get down the subway, you can ride it, ride it anywhere until you get to the, you know, go back up to the street. But some parts, in order to get to the other side, you have to swipe it. And that's just, that's like nickel and diming a person for two bucks each time just to get to the other side of the subway. Yeah. So. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was a funny, like, just this poor girl, like, I'm helping her out, and, like, I screwed myself over. 
but I didn't really need to be anywhere right away, so, and I helped someone out, that's cool. Karma points. Yeah, car hopefully I got karma points out of it, so yeah. After the Natural History Museum, I still had like two hours before my flight, so I went to this uh, vegan bar. It had, yeah. <laughs> For those listening at home, I gave Brad the weirdest look I've ever given anybody. <laughs> like, I didn't try to. I wasn't like, oh, I want a salad, you know, <laughs> as my final dinner in New York. I had a, also, the night before my dinner was Alfredo's in uh, Rockefeller Plaza. Mm -hmm. uh, it was near the Rainbow Room in NBC. Oh, I tried to go see a SNL taping, or I guess not a taping. It would be, I tried to be in the SNL audience for the Saturday Night Show, but apparently you have to be there, it's either 7 in the morning to get the tickets, or you have to, uh, like, register through the website months in advance and pick up your ticket. And, um, yeah, so attending that wasn't an option while I was at Rock Pro Plaza. And then, anyway, there was a restaurant called Alfredo's, which is an Italian uh, cuisine. Get in there, and they have these really cool, I don't, I don't know if anyone listening knows Max Hirschfeld. He drew those like exaggerated cartoon drawings of like celebrities. They're like black and white, and they're, they're kind of distorted looking. And so this restaurant is populated with different like there's a Sinatra, there's a uh, Audrey Hepburn drawing, and then there's like this Greek. It's not a movie or any kind of celebrity. It's just this like picture of Greece with a bunch of Grecian people standing in it. It's really cool. I don't know. Kind of reminds me of New York, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had that. And then anyway, I went to the. I, was, I got out of the Hayden Planetarium. I was waiting for nightfall to set so I could get like a glowing picture of the observatory. Uh, so in order to kill time, I decided to have dinner and the only thing other that wasn't a chain restaurant, because I didn't want, you know, I wanted to have dinner that wasn't something I could get back home. But the only thing nearby was this vegan restaurant. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I already had Italian. Uh, pizzeria pizza, I had Italian. I had Chinese from Chinatown. Um, you know, I guess I'll, you know, salad's the next best thing. Uh, went in there, it's kind of cool, it was called, um, Cafe Blossom, and their drinks are smoothies. I had, like, a carrot and, I think, raspberry combination, like, vegetable and fruit. And it wasn't too bad, and the guy gave me a sample of, like, it was called Adam and Eve, it was, like, green apple and cucumber? It's weird because you taste the cucumber right away and then the sweet kicks in. It's just a bizarre combination, but you can only take so much of it because it's very potent. And then I had, um, oh, it was, it was I'd liken it to having country fried steak, but it's vegan, so it wasn't steak, it was <laughs> a soy combination. It was basically like, it's you know, meat burger. with, it was basically like meat with gravy on it, and it totally tasted the same, it was great. Nice. And it had a cranberry sauce, a... Wasn't bad. So, but on the wall, there's there was a plaque that awarded it like one of the best places to eat out in New York for 2008 or something. Uh -huh. But the funny thing is the caption of it. It's this dinner plate, and the category is you know eat out in New York or something. So that's the logo. But it's called Cafe Blossom. So it says, you know, 2008 award eat out award Blossom. <laughs> eat out Blossom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I forgot to get a picture of it, but I just thought it was, you know, dirty. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, with an hour left, I jumped on the subway. The subway takes you right back to the airport. And then the best part of his trip happened. I picked him up. Ryan picked me up. I was so glad to see him. I know. He wanted to go and hug me, but I refused. I waited an hour and a half for you to get off work, and I had a quick meal at Burger King. 
in the DIA terminal. The Whopper layer. Oh, on the plane, um, I forgot to, when I, when I went to New York, the uh, ticket guy said, hey, there's open aisles, do you want one? It's like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I forgot to, the girls at JFK didn't offer me the same thing and I didn't think enough to request it. Mm -hmm. So, on the flight, my row, there's like one other guy in the aisle seat with me, but there's plenty of other open seats on the plane and this guy didn't bother to switch the whole time, so at any point he just you know kept his seat, even though the aisle in front of me was open. It would have been nice to lay down on the flight because <laughs> I was so stiff and... That's like, what was, she said. I was like, as I was trying to tour the museums, I was just in such agony because my, I don't know, lactic acid had built up and my muscles were just drained. I was cringing going up and down stairs and on the last day I had to carry the figures around and my heavy bag, heavy small bag. And when I was a Cafe Blossom, I, my left arm could not lift a glass of liquid. <laughs> I had to use my you know, right hand to lift my left hand to get, get it to work because it was so sore from uh, lugging that stuff around for eight hours straight, nonstop. And so, yeah, I, just, I wanted to lay down in my seat and I couldn't. I guess I could have got up and taken that rose, um, but I was lazy and hurting. But fine now. All right. I rested. So we've learned about Brad's journey to New York City. We've come to the end of the great journey, me picking him up and him being like, oh my God, Ryan, I can't wait to see you again. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing how much he missed me. It really was. But um, until next week, I'm Ryan. Hey, you, uh, what? What are you going to do? I just did an hour and 40 minutes of my trip to New York and you don't have any questions about it. No, anything you, I didn't touch on, anything you want to know about New York that you didn't know? Does it smell like Jerry Coral juice? Actually, when I was in Times Square, I walked over a grate. I, uh -huh. I smelled death. <laughs> I was walking, all of a sudden, it's like, oh god, this is hard. Oh. When I was in Paris, a uh, homeless guy fell on the subway and got ran over. What? Yeah, like in the. Where was this story when I asked you what uh, happened in Paris? The it happened when uh, it was actually like the stop that we were going to get on. Yeah. A guy fell off. You watched the guy No, I, No, I didn't watch it. If I would have watched it, I would have came up like, dude, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. I imagine, like, when I was waiting, like, uh, for subway cars, which were packed, by the way, uh, I imagine if I got into a situation where some guy tried to mug me, I would toss him in the path of a... Eat this, motherfucker. Like, always stand next to the ledge. That way, if anyone tried to... I'd spin him around, like, bam. But no, I I can't think of a question. So, like, because... police were around, basically, and you witnessed the aftermath? Or was... uh, yeah, well, the, I witnessed the aftermath because they wouldn't let you down on the subway, and they shut down a whole line of the subway. So That's I had to walk, up. like, a mile <laughs> to a different subway, which took me really far north, and then I had to take another one back down. I'm sorry, did you say that it was suicide, or did no, you know? No, or... I didn't know. I just, uh, on, the, yeah, on the screen, it said that someone died and then I went home and I watched the news and it was a homeless guy wow yeah I am so cultured that I can watch the news in French and understand it I know right oh yeah in Chinatown smelled like fish surprised <laughs> I'm not I was uh, I was talking to my mom I was surprised because in Chinatown in the uh, morning uh, they put out just hordes of food on the street corner 
just huge buckets of the the Amar's fruit that I experienced, uh-huh. and then like just buckets of fish. <laughs> that you, you would think that it's such a waste if this is, doesn't get sold by the end of the day. Like, how can they put this much out? I, like, it's already halfway through the day, and there's still tons of it left, and it's fish. You don't want to let it sit out in the sun eight hours. Mm-hmm. So is this just going to toss in the trash? What a waste. But I guess uh, my mom made a good point, whereas the restaurants oh, yeah. uptown come down and shop downtown. They don't get deliveries. They pick it up and bring it back to the restaurant for the night crowd. So that's probably where all that fish ended up. Absolutely. But I wasn't about to try any of it because I don't want to get food poisoning. <laughs> as much fish as I wanted to try anyways. a seafood dish while I was out there because I'm at a coast and coastal seafood is always better. I didn't want to, you know, be bedridden alone with food poisoning because that sucks balls. I hate food poisoning big totally. time. It's not the best 24 hours of your life. It's like take, getting your chest dumped on by a hooker. Exactly. There's always a Do you know what that's wall. like? <laughs> <laughs> An uncomfortable silence. Uncomfortable silence. Anything else about New York? No. You know, it's 144. I should just... This is going to be insane to upload and download, but I think I should just do the full two hours. Because we only did half an hour last week, I guess. Sure. If you have more to say. Unless you just totally hate listening to everything I'm no, saying right now. No, if you have now. more to say, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else I don't have questions because I'm pretty sure I was pretty thorough. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, too. I haven't eaten yet today. I'm just going to eat this fucking microphone right now. <laughs> Derby because it's phallic. I know, and I totally just took it like a cock. I know, you look experienced in, the, in your little pantomime there. <laughs> you, uh... Well, I watch a lot of porno. <laughs> Why? You've got a fantastic girlfriend. I know, but um, we're waiting till we're married before we experience <laughs> each other that way. Wow, bullshit. Hey. Not that she's a whore or anything. No. I'm not, I'm not implying that. No. <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. Wow, we're so not witty right now. No. Where's where's our improv training coming from? Um, um, where would you rather be right now? I think you would rather be watching um, a midnight premiere of Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th, you? I would be love to watch that. But and why I, aren't you watching that, Ryan? Because I would rather experience that movie with my lovely girlfriend, Laura. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Brad's coming along. Uh, yeah. Um, Do you think it's a movie we're going to have to buy tickets in advance? Do you think it's going to sell out? I think it's going to be packed, and I also just realized that based on our unborn experience, it's not something I'm going to enjoy with. But the good news is it's rated R, so. Unborn was rated R? No, it was PG 13. Was it? Yeah. Positive. Well, even if it's rated R, I think we'll have a shitty teen crowd experience ruining the mood for us. Oh, I'm sure of it. And I I was reading online that it has tons of tits in it. Uh, that's good, I guess. Yeah, totally awesome. I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little more about the story and the cinematography. Than, uh, you know, I didn't go the see the wrestler just slasher. to see Marissa Tomei naked. I saw. I went to see it because it's a good story. Well, it's a slasher movie. He kills people. Yes. Hopefully, there's some inventive gory, gory deaths. That's all. That's all we can hope for. Isn't it interesting how I switched back into host mode all of a sudden? It, come on, switch back. Because I asked you about the Friday the Thirteenth. I started the conversation and then yeah, you need, I know. You need well, to roll okay. back. Fuck that. I already said I'm I'm cutting this off. I said that's ending it. But you want to keep on talking about Well it's because I, I wanted to make sure the entire New York experience was in there so that because it was very special and unique and It is, and you know what? I think you I think you hit I it. wanted everyone to know every detail and I'm I regardless I'm gonna blog in detail later on my website, but Well you know it we 
I mean, you talked seriously for <laughs> I didn't think it would, I thought it would only take an hour, but apparently and it takes you, two I mean, hours to talk about four days in New York. And you so. talked a long time, and then, you know, if anything comes up, then we can bring it in next week's. Because do we even have a topic for next week? I don't think we do. Uh, you know, even if we don't, I'd like to see us try something other than a conversation. Doing what? What do you want us to do, Brad? Well, you know, there's that idea where we drive around and, like, mobile cast. <laughs> mobile cast? Um, that, or... I don't know, like, do like a game, like play a game or something during, like get adamant on something, I don't know, like, you know, like, uh, whose line is it anyway, do like games like that. Okay. Um, as a cast, um, but like the easiest one to do is the driving thing where we reminisce about, like, uh, the old days when we used to do that night driving stuff for Nebulous, Nebulous Visions. Um, what were we talking about before that? I don't know. Oh, hey, what, awesome what, we do, what, what, what should we do next week? And why this is two hours long? And since Cliff is Cliff and Laura are, are basically our only listeners, I think <laughs> they're gonna get to the one hour mark. I'm like God, Brad's story. Like this is most people go to New York and have bar stories or no, strip club stories and. Everything. Brad's like, I saw a squirrel in Central Park and it was domesticated. We didn't have a whole episode devoted to my trip in France. Well, I tried, to, <laughs> I tried to get you guys to talk more, and you're like, yeah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> but all the French people made great pastries, and you didn't even ask me how they tasted. I did. You talked about um, you talked about the they're like they were the cheapest thing you could get there. You get a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. See. I know. Just a fucking asshole. I'm just trying to make you feel guilty. I, I, I know you're just playing. I'm just I'm I'm just playing, Fran. I don't know. I'm really hungry right now because I'm fat. So. <laughs> I'm really hungry because I'm skinny. <laughs> so we should end this and go get some food. Uh, I'd really love to have an even number, but I guess you're right. We don't have to have an even number. We're sporadic and unpredictable. We're ten minutes away from being at the two-hour mark. We are. Do you have any notes of anything? No, I'm just making fun no, of you. Making fun of me. Um, what what did you what did you do while I was gone? I worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yes. Didn't go see any movies, didn't hang out with Laura. No. Didn't kick any dogs. No, I did kick a puppy down a flight of stairs and it survived amazingly. <laughs> um, uh, did you meet Phil, Col- Phil Collins at all? No, you know, no. I, I, I waited. He never called. <laughs> um, did you... Look, I'm calling the shots again. That's okay, Brad. I, I did my hosting part. I want you to host the whole thing. You're going to host ne- next week, too. Okay. I think I'm done with that job. I think you're better at it. Yeah, I'm pretty you're not awesome. really showing it right now. Well, no, I I asked you the questions, and now we're I'm done with my hosting part. I asked you the questions about New York. Ask me um, questions about something else. Was King Kong there? I don't know. Oh, I didn't even talk about the Empire State Building, did I? You did not talk about. That's the what Empire I did State Sunday Building. night. Um, it's uh, called the Empire State Rebuilding right now, uh, because like every street corner in New York right now. They're scaffolding and they're trying to re- revamp the oldest city in America or something. I don't know. It's probably wrong. Uh, but it's, it's an old city and it's falling apart and they're trying to get it back into shape. It seems like a daunting task from what I saw. Uh, but the Empire State Building, heavy security. This is the other interesting. It, I knew there was something interesting that I was forgetting. Obviously, like the Statue of Liberty, they don't want terrorists blowing up. Uh, an American icon. I get to security. It's pretty lax getting up to the ticket counter, but once they put you through the scanner, 
I put my bag through, no one bothers to actually unzip it and look through it, they just rely on the x-ray. But as the x-ray goes through, the guys, like, they're foreign, a lot of people there um, default to foreign accents. So I'm listening to these security guys mumble something I think is French, um, or African. Or... <laughs> well, you know... I sound like a total prick no, like, uh, right now, but... In Africa, French is the national language of almost half of it. Yeah, that makes sense, you're right. Um, but they start pointing at the screen, I'm like, holy shit, like, I think, what am I in trouble for? Um, and then they, they set me aside, they call head, the head honcho, whatever, to come over and look at it. Like, open up your bag, sir. And, uh, do you have a tripod in there? I'm like, yeah, two of them. I pull them out, hold, like, open it up. The one tripod is in, a, like, its own little baggie. And then the other one is, like, this gorilla pod I got for Christmas where you can bend, bend the legs. It grips onto, like, anything. And so they, the, the other one's metal, and they pull it out, and like, um, we're gonna have to confiscate this. I'm like, it's a tripod. Like, there's nothing hidden in the legs. I expand the legs to show that there's like no room to hide anything. He's like, you can come get this when you're done. I was like, but I need it to get my camera shots. Like, you can't take this from me. And so finally the guys, I, I persuaded him. He's like, okay, well, uh, I guess. But I was like, it's, it's it's not even a full, like, person. Did he ever say why he didn't want you on there? No, they, they just thought that it wasn't a tripod, like it was something else. Like, there's something else to it. I was like, you know, working all the levers. It was it was a mini tripod, too. It wasn't even, like I was about to say, it wasn't the full person-sized tripod. It was about the size of this microphone. It's just mm. the mini one that is for basic shots. And there's nowhere to, the legs are really thin. There's nothing to hide anything in. Like maybe a crack vial if I haul it out, <laughs> but it's yeah. Like the scanner would have picked up the, the dynamite. It's so small. So yeah, that was frustrating to try to explain a tripod. And then like he had a bag ready, to, like an evidence bag ready for me to pick it up. Like here, sign here, see, pick it up later. Like no, I need this for my camera shots. And then I went to the top and I never used it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. That's the point is to like I'm not gonna let some of my freedoms go. But I, even if I wanted to use it at the top of the Empire State Building, I couldn't because it's so freaking windy and cold up there. I got up there, I'm trying to hold my camera outside the, the grating, uh, fencing to keep people from jumping off. Um, like I put my hand out and it just blows up in the air because it's so strong and then cold. I, you know, I have to run back inside, warm up, and then run back outside to get the other shots. And you have an interesting story. Uh, real quick about uh, something you heard about someone jumping off the Empire State Building. Oh no, I read it online. Um, some guy went up the Empire State Building, and this is uh, it was like three or four years ago, and he jumped off to kill himself, but the wind blew him so hard that it blew him back inside through a window, <laughs> and so he got charged with a felony of <laughs> trespassing and destroying property on the Empire State Building. So yeah, so you—it's hard to kill yourself. Evidently, <laughs> jumping out the Empire State Building, and the wind is so strong that it can blow you back in. He's a—you uh, know—you probably had some injuries, so he's like at the hospital. Oh like, yeah, I can't even kill myself, right? <laughs> yeah, and the cops are like, yeah, you can't, and here's a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, on top of that, uh, yeah, here's like a hundred dollar Oh, another ridiculous thing is there's signs in New York. It's a three hundred and fifty, three hundred and fifty dollar fine for honking your horn on some streets. <laughs> Like, what? That's like more than really speeding annoying. in some cases. Like, you walk down the street at any time and everybody's honking. 
Like, you can't even enforce that. <laughs> like, once some cop's going to run down the street and just ticket everybody. <laughs> That'd be like, awesome. Like, whatever. And $350, that's like more than speeding. Yeah. Is it really that big a deal, honking? I, I don't know. I guess so. So My, just like our Return of the King podcast, we keep on saying it's going to end, but then it keeps on going. <laughs> has several endings. <laughs> has several endings. Nice no, keep uh, And then people are like sitting there listening, oh, it's finally over. Oh, fuck. It's hard to encapsulate four days and get all... Like, yeah, I know you're bad you to keep forget on, things in remembering. I know you keep on remembering, you know, stupid shit you did. Yeah. Oh, and there's this one guy. Uh, I'm standing on a street corner. This other guy next to me, and this other guy rolls up with like two bikes in hand, and he asks the other guy, "Hey, you want to buy a bike for ten bucks?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like glad he didn't ask me because I'd been like, uh, "No, because you stole it." I'd have been like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, man!" Like I couldn't. I was going to say, well, I have a plane to catch, and there's no way this is getting on the flight, so I can't buy your $10 bike, sir. Was it worth 10 bucks? I didn't really examine it that much. I was just thinking, you're a thief, dude. Well, how much you spent for your bike? Uh, $400. $300, I think. So, if you, so, so is, uh, you know, $10 bike, but that looks so bad. It definitely wasn't a Cannondale. It was more like, uh, a a kid's bike. (laughs) Yeah, a huffy. A stripped-down huffy. (laughs) <laughs> like he took off all the good parts. Yeah, the good parts. yeah. It was just like a metal frame with wheels. It wasn't. <laughs> it didn't have. I don't think it had brakes or nothing or uh, suspension. When I was in Paris, this guy they would hand out on the subway notes that saying, "Oh, my family is you know I'm stuck here and my family we need money or whatever." It was in French, and then I flipped it over and it was in English. And these cards were like really nice. Like he needs money and he's. Here by himself with his kids. So who? One, who's watching his kids? And two, how did he afford the great yeah. printing on both sides? <laughs> That's gotta be like sixty bucks. Absolutely. And it was like it was really nice. I so I told him his story is full of holes, like Swiss cheese. <laughs> At a Rock and Roll Plaza, I got panhandled in front of a liquor store. The lady, she uh, had a good act. She had like her two uh, sorry-looking kids on either side of her, <laughs> and she had the sad face. And she's like, "Sir, sir, can you help me?" I, I, Anything to help? I, I I need to catch the subway. Anything, and I don't care. I'm I'm fairly well off. I'm not gonna be that stingy. Like I'll default to change in my pocket if I have it. But in this case, I didn't have change. I only had bills. So I was like, I was very sarcastic. But I was like, um, you know, I pulled out two bucks. I was like, eh, subway's two bucks. Here you go. <laughs> Better take advantage of it. So, so we're winding down here, Brad. What do you, what's the most you took away from New York? What was your best memory? My best memory is probably hanging out with Kevin Eastman. Like, it really wasn't hanging out, but it just felt like the most... Because I don't know if I said it earlier in the podcast, but New York feels like a place where no one is friends with anyone else. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Unless you're like you're in an ethnic grouping. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, it's the only... Because no one... I, I didn't really make any friends there. Um, I only talked to people like real quick like if I had to ask a question or something and no one offered to talk to me like so it was just you know that one and and then that guy standing in line for the figures like it just there's few parts where I felt like I communicated with people because you know I'm not really social put myself out there kind of guy and then in, in a town that's devoid of that it just felt you know but, but you need to start doing that, Brad. This is your therapy session, too. <laughs> start putting yourself out there, buddy. But that's what the point of the trip was. Uh, part, of, part of the point of the trip was to... It's kind of like a confidence boost, is to get myself to... Train myself to be... In a setting that I have to rely on 
And it, it helped because when I came back from New York, like yesterday, talking to people, like I didn't have fears of saying, like I didn't overthink anything. But I said to people, I was jokey. Like this girl, when I bought my new car, it's through this credit union. The girl called me up to say, hey, did you get the brochure or whatever detailing our service with you? And like I was so jokey with her, I was like, um, it's a, it'll be a pleasure, you know, paying for my car with you. And then like she got a kick out of it, and I was telling, like we started joking about banks, like how, and how stingy banks are, and how non-flex, you know, thirty bucks on a two-dollar overdraft, you know. And they're like, yeah, we don't do that with the credit union. Yeah, and what did I always tell you, Brad? You're a really funny guy. You just have to. Well, I, I you got to take off your mask. I don't know where the mask came from. I, I, I in the past. Like years ago, I was I wasn't great, but I was okay. But these past few years, I've been really like withdrawn, and I think I'm finally getting it back. And being able to be alone and like not like I don't want to accuse my parents, but having them very close to me all the time makes it very difficult to branch out on my own. Like make decisions. Like I can ultimately I can do whatever I want, but I'll always instantly hear about how good or bad my decision is. Yeah, and so that it really affects my ability to, um, like, I second guess myself so much because, like, yeah, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And then you I know, have a Brad, second opinion. You guys quit second guessing yourself because yeah. you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. Just take it all in, buddy. And that's what New York was. It was there is no ability to second guess yourself. You got to be yeah. on the ball. Everybody makes mistakes, and yeah. the only way you learn to be a better person is by making them. And if you do make a mistake, you know, say you go down the wrong alley at a certain time in New York. You just you just change it. You just don't even think about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So well, I'm glad that it's really therapeutic for you, okay. Brad. That's that's good, and that's 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 a really deep ending to your trip and what you took from it. I feel like a better person. I, that's I awesome. grew out of it, and it's what I took from my Paris trip is that the French people stink. <laughs> so um, metaphorically or no, literally, odorally, odorally. Smellingly. Smellingly. I can make up words all night, but we're totally. at the two hour mark, so let's so, end it and save everyone. Get to bed, everyone. It's late and we, we're hungry. And um, again, thanks, Brad. Um, yeah, I love hosting. I love being the center of attention. I'm going to dance now. Oh my god, you're so goofy and exciting when you dance. Bye.